0: hello everybody bra, bra, bra. welcome to another episode of the btr stream i am your humble host lev polyakov and we have with us once again giovanni panacchietti and our guest of honor today this is kind of a continuation of the sewing discourse we had with uh, owen earlier we've got owen cyclops in the stream, all the way live, and I am so grateful, Owen, for you joining us today uh, to uh, briefly uh, pick up on certain pieces that we were talking about before, and I would love to uh, go to Gio to initiate this conversation, but first, once again, all new people subscribe right now. Anyway, Gio, take it away, buddy.
1: Stream... Stream so nice, we had to do it twice. Yeah,
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I'm happy to be here for sure.
1: Yeah, well, we were originally going to do the psychedelic stream, uh, but what we're going to do, uh, we will, I guess, we will touch on the topic. Um, but next time when we do get Daniel Penchbeck on, we'll structure it more as a debate for format uh, because there's certain parts of his book that I wanted to pick apart. But cool. in terms of Owen Cyclops, it's very. Oh, sorry, did I cut you off, Owen?
2: no nah, man i just said cool i'm down that sounds yeah
1: weird. yeah uh and because the thing is the, you would be perfect for it because i guess we'll get into uh taking off from what we did last time uh, in terms of your journey uh so but before we get into that please like share subscribe comment Patreon please me and Lev do not make me Lev and Jules do not make any fucking money off of this all the money goes to administration costs just to bring you the uh good content that you crave for so now that I have my San Pellegrino we're going to get in. <laughs> we're going to get into this. That's um, where the
2: Patreon be, bucks go. The Sam exactly keeping <laughs> me.
1: Um, well, uh, there was this viral tweet about the the restructuring of this Roman emperor looks almost exactly like my nonno. So um, <laughs> nice. RIP nonno. Um, A lot
0: of uh, n- New Jersey energy and <laughs> uh, some of one the my, ones that I've seen.
1: One of my mutuals said that Varge Vickners was suspiciously quiet about that tweet. So I don't know. <laughs> 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 Nord- BTFO'd bleep saw my fuck you no i'm sorry i love bronze age Pur. i'm hopefully one day he will grace his presence uh, on breakthroughs so um but i i mean i don't i don't have a beef with Nordices. put it that way i i know i know being half southern italian half central italian that my bloodline is not pure um indo aryan but it's 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 pure enough so uh, oh and maybe we'll get into esoteric race science owen
2: um <laughs> i was just telling my wife in the car we were talking about people you know trash talking other countries. And I said, I feel like I've learned the most about European countries from hearing Europeans trash talk each other.
1: <laughs> it's, That's it's, I, true. it's
2: like a deep it's, dive into the culture. So it, it bears some fruit, I guess.
1: It's it's like uh, what, I think it was Landshark that said, I just want to uh, go to small towns around Europe and North America and just stay there for a few weeks and absorb the local color. Hmm. And I thought that was beautiful. Yeah. Um, Well, the American uh,
0: local color, by the way, I just don't want to forget, you had that beautiful picture of the various coffees you would get uh, at gas stations. So is that something like this Americana (laughs) that you got attracted to eventually over time, or did you always have this uh, kind of hometown longing? Or were you just like, you know, fuck these coffees, I fucking hate these gas stations, I don't want to be here. (laughs) What's what's the vibe? Uh...
2: I think there is like a deep Americana aspect to uh, to my whole vibe and my interests for sure. I mean, I think as everyone gets older, they kind of like start to embody their, uh, I guess, background more, or maybe they haven't really thought about it. You know, you're growing up, you feel like, oh, I'm just like a default random person. But then you're like, oh, I am like American. Like, what's the deal with that? You know? So yeah, I feel like there is like, I have an interesting relationship to like Americana. Uh, also, you know, America's weird because you grow up in one place. But then there's all the other like regions so I feel like it does have that you know traveling into the unknown flavor inherently within it. I don't know what it's like in like smaller European countries, but for America, that's the case definitely. I mean, I was talking to someone before; I've never even been to like the desert, which is a huge part of the American landscapes. So that like unknown, travely element, I think, is like intrinsically there for sure.
1: It's it seems that there is a vibe going on, and in certain ways, I would say that. The, the artwork and the illustration that you do, it, it does it does tend to make sense within the American context. There is certain aspects of American culture, but also the blending of different influences in general. Like, for example, I'm looking at this one piece you did. Just some something about it reminds me of my, uh, and I know I bash him a lot, I call him Kitsch, but it reminds me of Alex Gray's Cosmic Christ, this illustration, because he has a bit of UFOs in it. It's called God versus Aliens, and Lev, if you could bring that up, that'd be amazing. This, this is, uh, um, I'm assuming Mary cutting the head off of an, a gray, and it's got like the um, the the chopped head serpent in the deep. Uh, Carl Jung illustrated something similar. It has uh, the naval cross, and it's got like the uh, alien abducting someone. I love that because it seems to me that can only exist within the american context in this convergence of different influences from the ufo um ufology to the uh new age like end times biblical christian movement and to me that's just like in in itself a piece of americana just Uh dabbling in these different subcultures but what, what and do and you don't th- forget you can yeah. you
0: can get this shirt on Spotify by yes. the way. Yes. So, and not Spotify, it was Shopify. Shop-ify. I mean, for, forgive me for <laughs> confusing the two.
1: Um, but what do you what do you think, Owen? Do you think that um there is a certain vibe to like American uh what would you say, Americana but also like the outsider aspects of American art? like within not just art, but also like in general, I guess you could say that conspiracy theories in itself are kind of like an art or they bring about a certain aesthetics because you seem to dabble in a lot of these different strains.
2: Yeah. I'm definitely a product of that in some ways for sure. It's interesting, you know? Yeah. Like you mentioned like the connection between even like UFO stuff and American uh, America. Uh, Yeah. It's weird. Like there are alien abductions in other places, but it is like a really American thing in a way. Um, I think there's something about the American spirit. There's something, it's something I thought about a lot because, you know, I used to be really into Buddhism and wherever that, whatever, we talked about this last time a tiny bit, whatever country that goes to, it kind of takes on the air of that <clears throat> that people and culture. And Christianity is like that in a way, maybe not to the same degree, but, you know, you can look around Europe and see the different like manifestations of Christianity. But I feel like America really has a unique take on all that. There's a book that I really liked. uh, It made a big impression on me a long time ago called American Scriptures by Penguin, the publisher. And the, the premise of the book is that as Americans were expanding West into this unknown world, they you know, quote unquote, needed these like new manifestations of religion to suit their new situation. And within a very short time period, you get, you know, the Book of Mormon and Christian Mm -hmm. scientism and the Shakers, and all these other, you know, random ones that most people haven't even heard about. So I think that kind of like thirst is part of the American situation, Mm -hmm. and also our disconnect with Europe, you know, like we're, Mm -hmm. we're, a european or we used to be you know there's this connection to europe inherently where obviously there's a direct tie but then also we're literally across the ocean you know in this wilderness so there's this kind of desperate like trying to reach through the veil kind of a paranoia um that all kind of comes together into you know conspiracy theories weird american religion people always trying to predict the apocalypse that's very american um all those things yeah it all comes together to form like a cohesive tapestry for me
1: and i wanted to um well, I wanted to ask you, did you watch the recent uh, Adam Curtis documentary, It Seems to Be All the Rage? What is it called? It's called, um, it's like the four-hour, I, I, I just gunned through it. I Can't get the...
0: you out of my head. That's Can't what it's get called. get you out of my head, that
1: one. Well, no. apparently
0: it went out of your head, Gio. <laughs> uh, the
1: title did, but the, the... <laughs> in, in it they mentioned the, which I think is a flawed essay, and I was talking about this online with Jeffrey Schulenberger, about um, the essay by Hofstadter about American paranoia. And it, it, in some ways, it seems that um, conspiracy theory is deeply ingrained within the American psyche, and even just the nature of spectacle itself. Um, so,
0: definitely, let's, definitely. You know, I didn't see the.
2: Uh, oh, go on. Go ahead. Just really quick, since we touched on that, one of my favorite like academic facts that you can verify to drop is like. Uh, The the paranoia about the conspiracy thing is so intrinsically American that in the University of Virginia archives that you can go into online, there are letters from George Washington himself where he talks about, like, the Illuminati and these, like, secret organizations. So it's Mm. been, like, part of the American psyche from, like, literally probably before day one. There is also the
0: aspect uh, that I remember, uh, Arian Cowboy. Hey, Alexandra, how are you? Yeah,
3: look at our money. Like, come on. We love Illuminati shit. We love... All that
0: noise. Definitely. Well, when it comes to uh, the thing that Arian Cowboy told me a while back, he was talking about the Antifa members that are living in Washington, D.C., uh, kind of around his stomping grounds. Uh, wait, did I say Washington, D.C.? Sorry. I meant Washington State, Olympia, you know, those areas of the Cascade Mountains. And he, his theory is that a lot of the ways that they're acting over there has to do with the spiritual influences of the land itself that there are these nature spirits that don't a, really a get a chance to.
1: Well, why do you that? think, why do you think that there's uh, such a thing as Cascadian black metal? I mean, it's got to have something to do with it, by the way. Yes, I do have the Riza Negristani book on, on Cascadian black metal, but um, I wanted, Owen, oh, I wanted to uh, eventually talk about your conversion to not conversion, I guess conversion to Christianity, but I wanted to get your uh, feeling on the, so, now that we're talking about America I wanted to read for um both you and Lev and Alexandria this quote by Jean Baudrillard in his book America it says America is the original version of modernity we are dubbed or subtitled version America so America is a subtitled version America Uh, ducks yeah this is um Uh. uh yeah so America ducks the question of origins it cultivates no original or mythic authenticity. It has no past and no founding truth. Having no no primitive accumulation of time, it lives in a perpetual present. Wow, I don't know, that's a very controversial take. I wonder.
3: My first um, reaction to that is that, you know, America was basically but like, on essentially an apocalypse, like are the native population dwindled rapidly um it it was dwindling even before white settlers arrived and kind of part of their success was that it was you know a culture decline and you know plus disease plus displacement generally speaking like we kind of you know wiped out a history a pre-existing history and then had to remake it so there is sort of like an almost like phasmagorical kind of uh like a, a a ghostliness to American, you know, America mm-hmm. as a concept, America as an entity, America is like a mythic entity. Mm.
0: And, and we, have, called
1: w- it
0: and we have, by the way, from Reagan Lodge, two U.S. dollars. Shout out to Owen, one of my fave artists friend, on this scene. And uh, Words, well, to the. Man. To uh, to what Alexandra said, I'm curious what you think about this. There were uh, these photographs I saw where the Native American tribes, they were wearing certain ornaments that look very Masonic in their design. And uh, to me that's... well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, you gotta, you gotta oh. let me finish. So, okay. and this speaks and this speaks, uh, I'm gonna let you finish, and this speaks to this idea that I have of these antediluvian civilizations existing back in the day that were autistically obsessed with mathematics and the secrets of the universe and the stars and how it was quantum a quantum mechanics, coastal... the secrets of the universe, exactly. better than and, Justin Bieber! <laughs> and how it was a coastal <laughs> was civilization <laughs> how it was a coastal civilization that ended up perishing in the end and the survivors had to start anew which is why we see similar things when it comes to the kind of pantheon of the quote-unquote gods and the things that these civilizations uh uh the things that the survivors brought to what became the new civilizations if we're talking about south america if we're talking about um um the middle east you know like uh, i'm curious owen what, what do you think of that whole theory i guess it's sort of like a graham hancock uh, type theory but uh l- let me know what you think I'm for yeah. Owen and everybody else,
3: I have nothing to say. Um, I, I, I just and I don't even know what Antediluvian means.
0: Antediluvian
2: pre-flood. Oh, Owen, oh, let oh, us know what you
3: think. Oh, like yeah. Noah's flood. Yeah.
0: Yes. Exactly.
2: Yeah. I'm really big on that for sure. Um, the whole like Atlantis thing is something that really like turned me on to a lot of weird topics initially in the beginning. Uh, I think that there's like two aspects to it. I think that it's definitely like spiritually true in the way that a mythology can be true so like there are literal aspects to it but i think that it points to something literal i mean something that actually is real even if there wasn't like a literal island called atlantis i think that's part of why it like really ropes a lot of people in because there are these like ancient connections between cultures that most people don't know about or that seem really unintuitive there's a lot of cool examples i can go through because i was like really 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 into it um but as for like literally, yeah, I think that there was more globally connected cultures and that there are these like fallen civilizations that existed that we don't know about. So for me, it like hovers right on the edge of like literal versus mythological and like pointing to something deeper. But on my shelf here, I have like, I'm looking at them right now, like multiple books that are like history of Atlantis and things like that. Mm-hmm. That was a big part of my my uh, coming up in the game, you could say. Well, even, even you with the think- gun.
1: Oh, no, sorry, we'll t- we're talking about this, sorry. I'll just, go ahead. Love.
0: Well, even with the gods, though, you have, let's say, Shiva, Shakti, you have these representations of abstract concepts, you know, like uh, um, de- uh, death and balance and all that stuff. Uh, but then when you're talking about certain gods out there, like um, Zeus or Indra, you're talking about this powerful entity, and I don't remember what the, um, what the Mesopotamian equivalent of that is either it's enlil yeah i think and it may be Enlil. Key, yes. yes so the idea there is i see these gods acting pretty human-like as far as all their struggles and squabbles so i don't know where i stand on whether a lot of these gods are analogies for you know certain um s- certain states of being you know like uh, certain jungian archetypes or whether they're actual people that existed that bickered with each other and we have a record of this bickering, you know, and this all-too-human way of acting that these gods were engaged in and they may have just fulfilled these certain archetypes instead of being the archetypes themselves, if that makes any sense. Like, I'm trying to see where exactly would you... Uh, would you place a lot of these gods as far as whether they're archetypes or whether they feel much more like real people whose history has just been infused with the archetypes over time
2: well in terms of the connections just to tie it to the atlantis thing just so other people know there is like an archetypal element to you know everything in human life so that's something that i feel like people explain away a lot of things with or get sucked into too much where it's like oh here's this fire god he's like a really buff dude and then over here here's this other fire god he's like a really buff dude so either you go on one pole like clearly these guys were connected literally materially or on the other side oh well it's just an archetype But for the like pre-civilizational, pre-historical stuff, you can actually puncture through that because there are some like etymological connections that can't be attributed to pure coincidence. That's part of what like took me a layer deeper in it. Like long story short, if you're looking at like some really really weird deep aspect of astrology and you're like oh the seventh dot over here in this corner of the chart in tibet it's called this and in arab cultures it's called this that's like not a coincidence and there's you know a lot of compelling stuff there that can't be just said it's Mm. a you know archetype or something because it's like the literal terms but that's where you just said with the archetypes um i think it goes both ways man i'm really like not so hard on one pole or the other i do think like super physical beings exist and that they do interact with humans i think a lot of them are probably like fallen angels and things like that because of my worldview um so i think a lot of them are real a lot of them probably are archetypes i think it goes both ways
0: what when it comes to this possible middle ground where it's not exactly one or the other like would there then be A stage at which something is closer to being an archetype because it's much more spectral and much less built up of physical matter and then the lower down you go the more nuanced things get i guess i don't know
1: mimesis in it then
2: well what i mean exactly by that is like i think that you get both ends of the spectrum in full like for example if you were making a a being that represented war, of course you're gonna make him like a buff, angry dude. That just makes sense, right? And of course there's gonna be stories about him like conquering stuff, right? So on the one end, you get the full archetype thing. But on the other hand, I do think there are like fallen angels. I mean, I'm kind of like avoiding the word demons basically who appeal to humans and, you know, rope them into things. And then it gets more complicated because, you know, if humans are reaching out into like the darkness for something, one of these supernatural beings, in my opinion, can sort of like take that form because it's seductive for them and interact with them. So I wouldn't say it's like a mixed 50-50. It's more like you get both poles. That's just my opinion. You get both poles in full.
0: Would you also uh, leave room for the possibility that, and again, I don't want to, like we were talking last time, I don't want to draw like a concrete bridge between these two different phases because you've had a lot of experience going into one and then into the other. But uh, when it comes to this desire to participate in life. It seems like we do end up embodying certain archetypes and playing them out, while with something like, uh, you know, starting from, um, you know, starting from Judaism, you know, back in the day with the uh, Torah or the Old Testament, that seemed to be a big break from, you know, let's live out this adventure tale let's live out these uh, archetypes, let's live out this play, this cosmic never-ending circle and just fulfill our dharma this way. Mm -hmm. There it seemed to be a bit of a break and it's like, wait a minute, hold on. Now you want us to do these sacrifices for this one god and then start focusing at least like... uh, in the results that we've seen, the focus did become much more on morality, much more on do unto others as you would have done unto you instead of playing this game fulfilling these archetypes. So it seems like with both, well, not both, like you could say Islam is also part of this, with these new Abrahamic religions that started up, the focus seemed to not be so much on the continuation of time, but now going out of that continuation and going to some other level. Would you agree that that was... what I'm saying makes sense as far as the ending of that cycle and going into something else from those religions.
2: Oh, it's interesting. Um, well, yeah, in a way, well, because of my worldview, I do inherently set the Abrahamic faiths apart. I mean, because I'm Christian. So that naturally puts the scriptures in a privileged position just because of my worldview. Um, so yeah, I mean, I do think there is a break there and that it is like, quote unquote, like different, uh, I think you could kind of make the case both ways. I mean, you do get like animal sacrifice in other religions, but I think there are like these big clean breaks like you're describing where like time is totally cyclical versus no, actually we're on like a roller coaster from point A to point B. I think you can pick out some like clean breaks and that that's part of like the development of the whole, you know, story of the human spirit in a way. Yeah.
0: But then when we end up looking at, let's say other planets, I understand your point about aliens uh, and these DMT creatures being uh, demonic, but at the same time, would you leave? Le- would you leave room for, let's say, something that that uh, Israeli uh, uh, former space engineer was talking about? How we've made this deal with this Galactic Federation, but we're not the planet Earth is not yet ready to join. We don't even know what space is, and uh, there's a lot of things that we have to get ready for. So in a way, like, would you would you leave... Which, what was wrong with me? Would you leave room for there being these other civilizations that are like us? Like, I'm not talking about, like, horned green men. I'm talking about just, like, human beings living on other planets, maybe taller, you know, maybe as oh, tall yeah. as the Nephilim were, but just, you know, just with the entire scope of the galaxy and other galaxies around us, uh, you know, it's just, do you leave some room uh, for there being other creatures out there like us out there?
2: Well, it's an interesting question. Uh, in in a sense, I mean, I, I am sort of open to anything. I mean i wouldn't say i've ever closed any doors fully you know someone that was like mormon dm me the other day and they were like dude like you should become mormon like what do you think and i was like well i mean i haven't totally closed the door i don't see it happening but like mm-hmm. i haven't to- I, the door is not shut 100 percent. so i feel like that way about anything if someone came to me with any claim you know i am open to it in a sense but what would but, be uh, the other kinda-
0: version though like if it was just us what would be the point of all this galaxy all these galaxies and star systems just to fuck with us
2: Well, well, what I was going to say is that it kind of ties into like, you know, the whole psychedelics thing and all that other stuff, because I think that the main thing that kind of happens is that these like claims and ideas, they always are put into a larger worldview and interpreted within a larger worldview, even though they don't seem like it. So even just the idea of like, yeah there's this other you know what like galactic federation out there and they're like kind of grooming humans to like get ready you know grooming. it's like uh, yeah, yeah the the basic, is that's basically what it is
1: q is there <laughs> yeah
2: well my point is that it's always it's uh, it always has to be put in terms of a larger like cosmology and how that like plays out in terms of like religious posits or philosophy or metaphysics and things like that so i would be open to it but i'm like deeply 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 skeptical uh, I would say a healthy level of skeptical. Some people would probably say overly skeptical as for uh, wait, what was the last, you ended at an interesting question. You said, Oh yeah. What would the point be? Um, well, that's kind of the thing is like, that's, that's, that's kind of the perfect, perfect illustration of what I'm saying. You know, you, if you're saying like, well, what's the point of the whole universe if humans are just here, that statement itself contains like an entire worldview. You could just as easily phrase it the opposite way and say, well, yeah, the universe is made for humans. So we're the only ones here. You know it's not like the evidence inherently points to one way or the other the evidence is interpreted in terms of a worldview. so for me i mean it wouldn't be confusing at all honestly if humans are the highest living physical creatures in the galaxy because to me that kind of makes sense god had to make some creatures that were you know the highest terrestrial physical creatures and we're it and we look around and we're like yeah we're the closest you know we're like what's in between angel and animal there's human so for me it makes sense but that's my worldview you know I I doubt that we
0: would be the highest in terms of what we're currently capable of like even when I take a look at the human form right now we seem to be fallen as it were from what we potentially could be as far as you know like if we are talking about these metaphysical systems of the body like the third eye Kundalini all this stuff there seems to be a lot of things inherent in our system that we don't know how to use and it's an interesting thing for me to think about where would, it's hard for me to assume that we would have these things in us just for us to ignore them and not do anything with them. You know what I mean? It's like It's like having an arm and just deciding not to use the left arm, just letting it hang all this time, even though you we were born with it. You know what I mean? Like that leads me to believe that there may have been a time before when people... Were able to, you know, just like even the idea of the Satya Yuga, where Satya means truth. So I imagine that a Satya Yuga, as it were, would be one where people would be able to speak to each other without necessarily uh, raising, uh, you know, raising their vocal cords, where they would be able to telepathically communicate. So I don't know. I, I, the whole point of me saying all this is when we're talking about us being a fallen species, uh, biblically speaking. I wonder if there were also examples of this fallenness being one of us losing certain special abilities we used to have and i agree with you actually omen that when you're talking about human beings potentially being it i could see that but i wouldn't necessarily say that this is the only place just because my analogy and you could be right too but my analogy would be us living on this planet how different would it be from some natives living on an island somewhere thinking this is the world or for some civilization in mesopotamia proclaiming their king to be king of the world even though their only world is the world that's around them
2: yeah yeah i mean you could say it cuts both ways yeah but well for the for the super physical ability stuff i mean that's why i feel like i don't really fit into any camp of of people really, because I definitely think that stuff is real. I definitely think, you know, telepathy, let's just take that as an example. I definitely think telepathy and like super physical ways of knowing are like a hundred percent real for sure. I mean, to me, that's like kind of obvious. Um, and I definitely think human beings exist in a fallen state, but again, it's normally like the dot, 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 or what comes after that, or the worldview it's packaged in that makes me sort of want to start to unpack things more like i definitely think telepathy is real for example i also obviously think human beings exist in a fallen state i mean you know we can just because if if i were to say even that human beings are the highest um you know terrestrial creatures let's say in a certain way i mean that wouldn't even imply like a state of perfection you know anyone can enhance their musical ability or their ability to perceive color or their ability to do any number of things, you know what I mean? So of course that's the case, but then it's normally the dot, 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 or like what comes after, or, you know, like with a lot of those things, there's normally like an implication of like, yeah, so there's all these things that humans can do that we can get better at. And you're like, yeah, and then the dot, dot, dot is, so we're gonna ascend to this like hyperhuman state and we're gonna be these new creatures and it's gonna be a new age and a new era and everything's gonna be totally different. And, and so there's always like a, a package that comes along yeah. after that usually. So that's kind well, of Well, that, like that's point. also yeah, like the cycle
1: we're in, the, in Buddhism. Uh, oh, and the age of Aquarius is upon us all the time. Dude, so. it's all new
2: age. Everyone's everyone's, mm. everyone's crypto new age now. That's my that's the slogan, man. Everyone's, but, but that everyone's is the new same age thing
1: now. like
0: like in that cycle of Buddhism where you would go from, you know, the state that you're into, like the gods and the jealous gods, then, you know, human, animal, and then back up and back down and back up and back down. So I see it what depends you're like. A in. the form
1: of Buddhism you're talking sure. About the, yeah.
0: But like in that in that environment, I could definitely see where Owen is coming from that like, yes, we can get all these various powers and entertain ourselves. And that comes to what I talked be- about before in the show, where if we were to have the ability to do anything you want, like Alexandra, if you had the ability to do anything you want, no limitations whatsoever, what would you do?
3: Hmm. Remake the world
0: uh <laughs> yeah no just oh, man. scrap it remake but, it but how do you know how to, how this to do it properly though leave. like what's what what's the experience that you have in order to remake the world uh properly like what would you do how would you remake
3: not it so much properly but just in my image and in the way that i want it to work
0: and how <laughs> do you want it to work do you have any ideas you could share with us now I mean, on how you want something i figure
3: out as i as i went along i'm sure uh but I just think it would be really fun to make the way if you were omnipotent and omnipotent and you were like, all right, well, I want to, you know, construct the galaxies. I want to do all that shit. It's like, yeah, hell yeah. Sounds like fun.
0: Yeah, but what about all the people that are going to uh, experience a lot of pain from any mistakes you happen to make along the way if you're just I'll winging make
3: mistakes. it? mistakes. If I can do anything, I'll just correct my mistakes.
0: But isn't the whole... Okay, see, I... Owen, I-, I think she... I get Jeez. much her... <laughs>
1: No, it seems there's a lot of one thing Owen said about everything is new age nowadays. It seems that even... this says
3: God has a plan.
1: Yeah, exactly. But the the thing is, it seems like even um, unexpected places have like a new agey vibe. Like even like, you know, I mean, you can't find philosophy in, in philosophy departments in North America. You have to go to literary departments. But even like in philosophy now, the cutting edge, you have like um object oriented stuff which is like basically metaphysics for materialists that don't want to believe in god and it seems like there's this underlying current like with accelerationism and everything mm. that it's it almost like goes to a new age in the sense of there's another world that even like even like right back in the in the 70s that was this um feminist author that wrote the book uh this world we must leave then there was even critical race theory people like sun Ra, the jazz musician who wrote about how there's this other world of liberation that is in the saturnites told him about this and there's really fascinating work in like outsider art academic philosophy and the new age movement it seems like we're all trying to um grasp this not just a utopia because i think the term utopia is like overplayed it's something else it's something different oh by the way
0: five u.s dollars from byzantium archon oh. asking alexandra if you're wearing pajamas
3: yes I am. are these
0: pajamas oh my these are god pajamas, guess
3: what my roommate has covid so none of us can fucking leave our room none of us can go anywhere oh. we are locked the fuck down so yeah pajamas today
1: it's it's oh, similar. Nice. It's uh it's the the trad uh, the 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 Wojak. Oh uh, oh, oh I thought it was
0: me. Hold on, Alexandra, you've got the Discord notifications on. Please turn them off. Because oh, I'm so sorry. That yeah,
3: because, I, I did that last time too. I'm yeah really I
0: thought I thought <laughs> I thought it was me. I was not sure. There we go. Now now we know. Now we know. There should but, be just like a big button to turn them off automatically for everyone. I don't know why they have them on. Yeah, you. Can, anyway. I
1: think you can mute all of them. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, it seems like that goes to what we were talking about before in terms of Baudrillard's take that America doesn't have an underlying mythos. It does. I mean, it there's a debate, but it, it seems that now that in a position in terms of America being the harbinger of modernity and now hyper-modernity, it seems that everyone wants to create a mythos or um, sort of a new agey and, and the way they can do it through abstractions or so forth or through academic jargon. But it seems that that underlying impulse is still there. Like, again, the North, the New Age movement itself almost wouldn't have existed without this experience of radical detachment that mm-hmm. America is from the rest of the world, geographically and in terms of some higher spiritual ancestral context. But then again, maybe Beaujard's just being like totally... Terminally postmodern and saying that America doesn't have any underlying mythology. It does, but I can see his point. The mythology of America is something very much created by Americana itself rather mm-hmm. than the bricklage of like thousands of years of history. Mm-hmm. But then there are some people that say that America is much more ancient, but that's like, you know. Very esoteric people on Twitter say that. Well, that
0: that goes back to America being more ancient, that thing I said about America being the representation of these antediluvian Atlantean civilizations where there may have been a similar, and again, who knows, but there may have been a similar structure that may have led to their downfall where, like uh, Alexandra was saying, if she were to be the chief entity of the world, she would make the world in her image and, you know let whoever perishes in the wake be, you know, a necessary sacrifice for the greater fun, as it were. So Imagine if Alexandra, if you were living in Atlantis at the time and you had these psychic abilities and you had the ability to, like, take a poor animal and just, like, combine this animal with something else. You know, like, if you had the ability to... Yeah, or, like, take a lioness, for example, and you had the ability to inflate a lioness to a giant size and then play basketball with the lioness. You know, like, do all kinds of things that would be considered to be abominations today. So, I think Owen you may agree with me on this that when human imagination goes awry without there being any grounding then well, something so would happen like
3: in this context i'm if i'm omnipotent and if i can remake the world i'm not human anymore so okay okay, okay not omnipotent,
0: not omnipotent. let's take it back no no let's take it back you're an atlantean you're not omnipotent but you're not okay. omnipotent but, you, you know, you've got what it takes to create human-animal hybrids and mm. other things utilizing uh, telepathy and uh, things like that. So mm-hmm. I don't know, like, Owen, where would you, would you place that desire to create, because you create art as well, but would you pl- place that desire to create as being something that requires some kind of a mediation without necessarily giving up? This feeling of, you know, wanting to create because we all have it, like I said in our earlier podcast, you have it, I have it, Geo has it, you know, we all, Alexander has it, this want to make something, Uh, Mm -hmm. not just sit down and pray all day, Uh, like, where would you see a good balance here? Or do you think eventually, in order for all of us to get to the next level, we would have to just give up any desire we have to create things of that sort
2: uh that's interesting man um well like what geo was saying i guess geo was really kind of recapitulating like what he thought i was saying which which was accurate like i really do feel like the the substructure of most views floating around is new age basically and that's relevant to what you're asking me because i feel like in the sub, like once you once you see it, you really can't unsee it. In like the subtext of what everyone's saying, everyone from like, you can go to the 1900s, like Aleister Crowley, Golden Dawn style, or you can go to this weird religious group or this weird religious group, or even the materialists, like he was saying, or even political stuff, even like, you know, communist stuff or like anything, it's all over. The, the fundamental premise is like, hey, the old system, not only is it not working, but it's falling away and this new system is like right about to hit and you just so happen to be right on the cusp of it. So get ready because once this new system hits games changed, everything's going to be totally different. It's going to be totally different, man. Um, And I feel like once you notice that you really can't unsee it. So even in the question you're asking me, you're like, you know, to get to the next level, doesn't that X, Y, and Z, but that question presupposes that there's like this new like get ready for the oh, next level. Hold like, hold on hold
0: on, hold on a second hold on a second though you're talking about next level in new age terms. Well, what about the uh, uh, what about the new Jerusalem? What's more next level than that?
2: Yeah no true yeah no well the, there is a uh, an imminent uh, you know sense of that. You, you could even say that there's a sense of that within Christianity, but I guess what makes it different. Well, well that, is, that was
0: going on back in the day, like during the Roman empire, they were thinking that the end of the world is going to be upon them any day. So mm-hmm. like, what's the difference between that and new age as far as wanting an imminence to, for, uh, to
2: occur. For sure. I would say the difference and what characterizes it is this sense of transcending former limitations. And things like that. Like, if you talk to a Christian who is like, even the most, you know, let's say crazy, who's like, yo, Jesus is coming tomorrow, the apocalypse is going to happen, that's like a fulfillment of the state and way things are now. But what I would say is characteristic of the New Age thing in general, you know, again, in the widest possible sense, is. The idea that this new system will uh, detach us from like the confines of the old system and the thing is that I mean it's kind of a little bit of a long walk from what you asked me but not really like no, a, it's lot totally of the, related. a lot of, the, yeah, a lot of the, those limitations and I would say this goes across the board those limitations like actually exist so trying to transcend them in a certain way just doesn't work and is like a fool's errand basically it's like satan rebelling against god basically you know you can try but ultimately at the end of the day you're just like a fallen angel and he's god so i feel like that's kind of what characterizes it in a way it ties in with the whole psychedelics thing also because you know a lot of what i see is sort of a recapitulation of timothy Learyism. timothy leary being like you know once we get everyone to take acid it's gonna be again i'm not gonna repeat myself but it's gonna be totally different yes. everyone's gonna be on acid and now that didn't work Baby boomers happened, hippies happened, it didn't work. And now it's like basically the same thing with DMT. I mean, no one ever says this because they know it's irresponsible, but the subtext is like, dude, DMT, once we get people on it, it's going to be totally different, games change, you know. It
1: reminds me of this Russell Brand clip. I don't mean to subtweet, um, but... Well, I do because I find him insufferable. But um, he said, like you know, if Mark Zuckerberg just took DMT, he'd realize it's like all the CEOs in the world should just take DMT, and they will realize that they are one with all yeah. of existence, and they will stop uh, selling your data to corporations yeah, right. and and censoring yeah. you and uh, destroying and, and, and the and ecosystem. Instead, they're, they're microdosing,
0: mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to create even more. Well, uh, the, the uh, microdosing you know, thing is interesting spying on you
1: that is directly like neoliberal, like capitalist realism, basically like taking a tool of supposed liberation and totally recapitulating it into this uh, mutilated form of like productivity. Mm. And it's like this productivity culture around like Silicon Valley. Which I I wanted to write something for the blog Covidian Aesthetics about like how microdosing is again another like utopian notion that was reappropriated by capitalist realism and like totally just like skull fucked every idea that the hippies had and it's just mm-hmm. so, so, it's such a self it's such an own but anyways that's <laughs> oh, right. and, and Alexandra you've
0: experienced not uh, LSD although you may have but recently you, you a- had.
3: Uh, a sixth, um part treatment, uh, ketamine infusions. So, and, um, yeah, what? No, go on. Oh, yeah. So I wouldn't. I mean, I don't know if I would categorize it as a psychedelic experience. Um, it was certain. It's a, like a. It's an allostatic. It's a, a disassociative, uh, and it's meant like the whole process is meant to uh, sort of repair parts of your brain, specifically the uh, neocortex that uh, where parts of it has been damaged due to like chronic stress. And I will say that it worked really, really, really well for me better than any other kind of treatment I've gotten, you know, as an adult. Um, But yeah, I think like, it's like one of those things where like, you know, there's sort of a shift towards from thinking about like certain sorts of uh, substances like, you know, party drugs are harmful or things that need to be kept away from people versus, you know, using them for their medicinal values. And, you know, because again, like there's a lot of like substances that can be like abused. Alcohol, you know, for instance, like people, people are generally, in, at least in America, are sort of given the choice of, you know, whether or not they want to consume alcohol and whatever amounts they want to consume it. You know, there's there's not as much regulation as alcohol as there is for like marijuana or ketamine and things like that. Um, and yeah, it's a lot, a lot of it is ju- it's just cultural and, mm. uh, Yeah, well, um, yeah, ketamine was just really good at getting me to sort of detach from my past. Like, before I got the treatments, I very much felt like the things that had happened to me, sort of the traumas I experienced, and, you know, the things that I didn't want to be part of my reality, like I couldn't escape them. Now it's like, okay, you know, I can like I felt like the sort of the rational and, and, and emotional, mo- like parts of my brain has been recalibrated another other greater balance.
0: It's a very um, interesting thinking, thing. I mean, yeah, my thinking I- is much
3: more clear. Uh, I feel like I have a lot more confidence. Um, I'm I'm less neurotic.
0: I mean, on one one hand, I can understand how something like that would be able to definitely help you, and apparently it definitely did. But my bigger question here is more about the human test, more about the test of will when it comes to confronting the worst things. And again, it's like, obviously, if somebody has a condition where it's just there's something physically wrong with their brain, like there's just some
3: problem with the
0: synapses, then.
3: Everybody has, like, various degrees. You know, like, sort of five-factor... Uh, model of uh, human personality and neuroticism your neuroticism quotient will vary you know like uh, you know from person to person and also from you know where you are in life like older people tend to be more neurotic you know than younger but, people
0: but when you say n- n- neurotic, so, like, this still, so neurotic this is still neurotic is, you is can't like, really measure that there, it's yeah, not you really can measure something
3: neuroticism like, how do neuroticism you measure neuroticism self-consciousness neuroticism is sort of like obsessiveness and neuroticism is basically like if you are not if you are like if you feel constrained you know in some way by like you know the things that you fear. Neurotic yeah, neurotic. but
0: that's a feeling. It's not really something you can measure. Like I can measure how much vitamin B12 I have well, by oh, taking yeah, blood. Oh, like, you I can't mean, like
3: take a, like a blood serum sample and like. But there's certain hormones that happen. There's certain like like you know parts of the brain that are more activated yeah. in a more neurotic person. Well,
1: the chat is saying that Alexandra is definitely neurotic
3: so. Hey, why would you say that?
1: <laughs> no, they mean it They mean yeah. it nicely. They
0: mean it in a nice yeah. way.
1: Um, I,
0: I don't know. The reason, the reason why I'm asking these questions, Alexandra, is that I am curious whether there are physiological things in the brain that you can see like a before picture <laughs> and an after picture after yes. taking these treatments.
3: Yes, you can. You, they, they, uh, they've well, posterized on my doctor's office. Uh, but there's neurodendrite growth that occurs post-treatment. When
1: well, they say that ketamine, and,
3: don't, don't and, they say that it's,
1: it's more of like an in-utero type of disassociative drug? It's not like a psychedelic you back to the womb. It's Yeah, you're entering like a cosmic womb. Like there's a lot. There's, you there's know a, what?
3: That's a pretty apt metaphor because it did hmm. feel like, okay, so like I had my, my doses titrated. So like, you know, I started off with a low dose and I went up. Um, sort of the most sort of the most I actually like felt it felt it was uh, my second to last treatment put me on like seventy milligrams or something and like a bunch of uh, magnesium they put in the IV drip oh so nice and uh, just it 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 sort of took me to a place where I really did I felt like you know I was I, I was uh, underwater but though it wasn't water it was more like this sort of silky aether and. Mm. But the thing, the problem is that they put you in this fucking ugly ass room. It's like you're going to the dentist or something, and you, you know you like lean back on this chair that's got all kinds of fucking holes in it. They patch it up with tape. The walls are bare. Everything's wow, bare. <laughs> yeah, I had like my phone and headphones, and I listened to like the Euphoria sound. You know, Euphoria on HBO. I used to listen to that soundtrack of that, and just oh, not you know,
1: that show. Horrendous. Oh my god.
3: <laughs> yeah, they don't have any plants. They don't have anybody in there to talk to you.
1: That sucks. Um,
3: it really well, well,
1: Let me inform you that the chat is now saying the chat likes you. They say that you're a quirked up shoddy, so that's pretty good.
0: Oh my um, God,
3: quirked up.
1: Yes, you're very quirked up. So, um,
3: but it, no, 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 yeah. you're, you're actually getting
0: no, you're actually getting that's people uh, who are coming to your a, who are coming to your thing. defense, <laughs> who are saying that you are not neurotic. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Peter Faust, our great patron, who fifty dollar patron, if you can believe that. So, our fifty dollar patron says that you are not neurotic, and you're cool, and I, I agree with him. I think that hence you are ter- term, Quirked
1: up, shoddy. There you go. Exactly. So, uh, but, but I um, want I want to get to uh, Owen.
0: When it comes to a lot of this stuff, so here's what I'm interested in finding out. Mm-hmm. I agree that there are definitely conditions where, when you use a lot of these psychedelics, they do end up helping things, and that is observable, like a before and then after. Mm-hmm. But I'm still concerned about like general. Well, well use think of, of it, it like, it
1: was... no, but Lev, like, look at it this way. Look at the, yeah. before we get to Owen. Look at Lloyd Alexand- like, what Alexandra is saying. It seems that there's something about this very clinical, sterile. Um, Mm. medical setting of taking what no I don't know ketamine is kind of a synthetic so that's kind of that argument but let's just say for the sake of argument that you're taking these entheogens that have a specific ritualistic context and now they're sort of being administered and there's this cloak around medicalization in terms of these substances and it seems that in some ways it's it's very uh, it's very alien to me In some respects. I I agree, but I would throw away...
0: I would even throw away the ritualistic aspects of it, too. Because here, Owen, I agree with you halfway. Mm. When you're talking about this uh, misuse of gaining certain strength and you're... Um, making a connection to the new age movement and also to the partaking of LSD and other psychedelics I completely agree with you there where I disagree with you is at least right now I think that just like a comment was made before about wouldn't it be great if everybody went to the gym and somebody was saying that kind of like ironically but other people took it to you know uh, to heart where yeah it would be good if everybody went to the gym and they worked out and people would be a lot uh, healthier less back pain so Mm -hmm. when it comes to psychedelics my concern is in not utilizing your willpower and alexandra this is completely separate from what you were talking about because what I'm talking about is more like somebody actually what Gio was saying using it for a spiritual purpose I would actually be a little bit more against that just because it seems to be that if we have certain limitations we should you know maybe we don't have to but if we want to then we should work our own willpower to overcome those limitations instead of taking a shortcut, instead of prying open the door prematurely through the use of psychedelics specifically well, think, yeah, to you know think, give us enlightenment or something like that.
3: Well, you can't... Uh, I think enlightenment is subjective anyways. Um, and also, well, you, you
0: know what I mean, like getting us to certain higher realities to higher see the DMTL, but see the elves, whatever you want, yeah. hang out with the mantis men, you know, whatever you want to call it. <laughs>
3: I mean, you can be a complete, like, you can be a complete dumbass and, like, take psychedelics and have a psychedelic experience and, like, you know, get something out of it. Like, I think, in general, like, psychedelics are very easy to misuse. Um, I think people have harmed themselves greatly. People have killed themselves while on a trip. Um, I think it's just either, like you know, you, you either, you either get bent. If you, you either get bent. No, no,
0: but we're, we're past or that. Or... We're past that. No, no. here's the thing. Forget like, all that. All we're agreeing on that. We're agreeing on that, L- but let's get past it, that. Honestly. What I'm, what I'm interested in is not that I agree with you hundred percent, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the actual level of saying, yes, I took DMT. I took LSD and it was a, amazing experience that Mm -hmm. gave me all this insight this is what i'm talking about and the reason why i'm talking about this goes back to willpower goes back to like if you have a certain amount of time on this planet if you're not utilizing your own resources in order to gain some kind of you know higher understanding of what's going on if you're using an external substance to do it for you like a crutch then i think it's kind of a waste it's like having a mm-hmm. it's like having a sandwich with butter on it and instead of eating both like the bread and the butter you just like lick the butter off and what you have left with is a butterless Leb, what is
1: this metaphor? Yeah. What the hell is yeah. this?
0: No, it's a perfect <laughs> metaphor, because basically what it is, is you've pried open access to things that you didn't train your willpower to access to begin oh, with, yes. and now you're spending the rest of your life eating It's like if this you just re- eat
1: the middle part of a Pop-Tart, you have to work for the fucking filling. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. But I don't know, Owen, uh, uh, do, do you see where I'm... Yeah, where no, I'm I, get what
2: I, I totally get what you're saying. Well, there's a lot of things there. I mean, that there there's just covered a lot of ground. So the thing is the medical aspect of it just since it got brought up, I don't really have I wouldn't really say I have like ai not I wouldn't have, I don't I don't have like a problem with that. It's kind of like, you know, whenever you bring up like as a lower example, like if you bring up weed or something, or like medical or like you know legalizing weed for example people are always like oh but what about those kids little kids have epilepsy and they give them weed pills and the epilepsy goes away you're like okay yeah that's totally different um so there is like a medical aspect to it that I feel like is often used as like a red herring when you're talking about the spiritual aspects of it not that that's what you were doing you know you were telling us a story about something that happened to you which is actually really interesting but uh for the other stuff I think that again it's like zooming out and seeing the the presuppositions of the question because that asking me like you know someone smokes dmt and they get to this place should wouldn't it be better for them to work there and get there on their own the thing is for me i stopped seeing those states that you're on when you use psychedelics as uh the same thing as heightened spiritual states Mm. you know I don't see them as inherently the same thing. Like if my friend comes to me and he's like, hey, I smoked DMT and I catapulted out, like you were saying to this like office waiting room where all these praying mantises were like cutting into my body and stuff. I wouldn't say like, well, that's cool, but I'm going to meditate and get there myself the natural Mm -hmm. way. You know what I mean? Um, So yeah, for me, I don't even really see them as like connected necessarily. I mean, if I had to pinpoint my whole angle on the whole thing really, it's that i don't really think that psychedelics as a spiritual path as a tool of spiritual insight i don't really think it plays out which is like an ambiguous term but i don't think i don't think it really is a tenable spiritual path i think it kind of collapses under like scrutiny basically i could go on about it but that's mm. basically my general posit
0: but then if we're talking about even something like Going back to creation, going back to drawing, drawing all these various things that all of us like to draw, that you like to draw, I like to draw, Hieronymus Bach likes to draw, this is still, to me, a neighbor to the DMT realm, and it is a neighbor to the TMT realm in that... It is something that we naturally can see when we use our imagination. We create these monsters. We create these entities. I mean, I just had a dream last night where I was in this uh, Japanese toy store and there were these Pokemon figures on the wall and I wanted to grab this um, giant, like a Sentai. You remember Super Sentai? It's like the Japanese Power Rangers. You know what I'm talking about?
2: <laughs> no, I don't.
0: Okay, I'll send you a link afterwards. But anyway, I wanted to grab the robot. I ended up stepping on a toy soldier and... Uh, like a green toy soldier that had crushed, and it turned into um, uh, this, this green crystal glass. I tried sweeping it with my arm, and then my arm just got full of this green crystal glass that I had to take off, you know? So the reason why I'm saying this, Owen, is that I like... I like imagining things. I like going into these realms of imagination. I don't see that as being sinful. I don't see that as being something to ignore because I think we're all interested in it and unless we're saying, okay, we're going to forget about all this and just focus on God, there's always going to be this aspect of us that would enjoy this uh, back and forth with this demonic realm. Now you could make the point that, hey, this is just from our imagination. It has nothing to do at all with these uh demons and uh you know mantis men all that. Maybe, and at that point it's like whatever, I'm not gonna see in them anyway, because I'm not gonna do DMT. But in the case that these things are connected, that these things are part of our whole like new sphere, imagination, whatever you want to call it, then I wouldn't necessarily say that I would give up, you know, the potential of expressing myself through art by interacting in those spheres as well
2: yeah i don't i don't necessarily see them as directly related like for me if like let's say like if the dmt space is being like introduced into a conversation about these topics it's like that sort of would need to be pinned down a little bit based on what that experience is and like what those entities are for us to even talk about that. Like what I mean is that, you know, so you brought dreams and stuff like that, right? Most people, some people don't, but let's just say, let's say most normal people who never think about this stuff. If they have a dream and they see an entity in their dream and then they wake up, most people, whether it's true or not, think, okay, that was part of my dream. My brain made that up while I was sleeping. And then they interpret the experience through that lens. So like you're saying, if you like a perfect example, here's a perfect example of what I'm talking about just to make it like concrete. I went to a peyote ceremony once and I was talking to this woman and she's like, you know, last time I was here on peyote, I looked into the fire and I saw my brother there in the fire. He died, my dead brother in the fire. And he was talking to me and it was crazy. So most people would just take that experience and say, wow, that's crazy and kind of like draw spiritual meaning from it. But what you think that actually is and how it fits into a larger worldview determines how you take meaning from that experience. So if you're like, that was literally my brother in the fire, he actually was real talking to me, then all of a sudden, your cosmology is rewired to be like, well, I guess dead people are just hanging out waiting for us to take peyote. And then what he said is going to have like a certain significance or if you're like, well, that was just an illusion, that was just my mind producing crazy shit, then you're going to interpret it in a totally different way. Or maybe someone like me is going to say, hey, that that wasn't really your brother, that was probably like a demon or something, like trying to fuck with you, like, sorry, then you're going to interpret that in a totally different way. So it's like, Once you introduce like the DMT space, let's say into the conversation, it totally depends on what you think it is, how it functions. If it is just a total hallucination and you're just making it all up in your brain, then yeah, it is kind of like sitting in the corner of your room and imagining weird stuff, I guess, in a way. But if they actually have some like ontological reality, these like weird beings and realms people go to, and it's not just a pure hallucination, then it's totally different. So it just depends on how it fits into your worldview, basically.
0: There is another level we can go here, though, and I know right now it's uh, almost uh, 6 o'clock, but I would be interested in leaving you with the following thought, that uh, when it comes to whether it's A, B, or C, if we were talking about a body of water where, you know, like you would think uh, maybe under this water there would be some uh, treasure. And I would say, no, I don't think so. Well, the only way for us to know is to go down and check it out. Or if we're talking about any kind of objective reality, there would be certain, let's say, levels that we would have to reach in order to understand something. You know, That's why when we're children, there are certain things we don't understand. When we grow older, hopefully, we do understand the way that certain things work, objectively speaking. And why I'm bringing this up is... My only concern is that a lot of times when people talk about these various experiences that they've had, uh, a lot of times they're talking about them while they're in an inebri- They've experienced them while they were in an inebriated state, whether it's taking peyote or whether it's um, you know taking any kind of psychedelic. And my concern here is that yes, I don't think there would be any way for you to actually know, like somebody, like let's say an adult would be able to figure out certain things related to the objective world, Uh, I don't think there would be a proper way for you to really know if the only experience that you've had is under a psychedelic uh, state uh, taking some drug, as opposed to maybe, and this is the last thing that I would leave for you here uh, to consider possibly, that maybe part of us existing in this world is also to grow in terms of our perception, not taking something and then thinking, oh, is this A, B, or C, but being able to actually perceive something and recognizing something as the truth, which maybe we have a certain inherent limitation that it's not possible to experience, but maybe it is. Maybe it is possible at a certain state to actually know this is what's going on in this higher reality and like i said before i don't think it'll ever be possible to achieve that state with psychedelics i think the only way would be to grow and i think that we do have like a uh, high potential to grow beyond what we currently do because let's face it most of us you know we what do we do all day you know like we don't really engage in things like that at all or really but most think, people don't work on themselves
1: but i think the th- the problem is lev i don't know it's, it always seems to be the debate that goes back and forth between the efficacy of psychedelics on a personal level or whether it does connote a certain spiritual practice. But at the end of the day, I feel that a lot of what we talk about in terms of these these plants and these shamanic cultures is that the forces of, let's call it, colonialism, globalization, late capital, hyper-modernity, it seems that The problem with a lot of these New Agers, especially nowadays, is that they talk about these issues, but yet when it comes to the appropriation of these plant medicines, it's like the power that they have derooted from their original context within these cultures It seems that they just totally ignore it because it's like they want to like bomb acid or, you know, go go to the Amazon basin and do ayahuasca. So it's like all of the stuff that they critique that suddenly gets bracketed. And it's like, no, now we can have a connection to the real tradition when when we do it, even though we're Westerners that like have, you know, we're we're largely like white hipsters that go to the Amazon that can afford to go there. But either way, we're not really working on ourselves.
0: We're allowing something else to work for us but
1: but again and that's the other issue i think that owen as well brought up is that we're allowing things into ourselves that we don't have a traditional context or a um experience with and so that that sort of like goes to the question if you're taking the metaphysics of it seriously that begs the question of are you letting these strange entities in uh, when you don't have, and of course the new ages they get around this question by saying that we're one global consciousness and there's no separation between people and between the races. Yeah. But that doesn't so mean like, you can't get fucked by these things, you know,
0: like even,
2: even though what I mean, right? Yeah. Also just, I know I said I had to leave at six, but I can, I can hang for a minute. I'll have to bounce like eventually, but I can hang for a minute. Right. Um, but yeah, what, what I was saying, oh yeah. So just to make like everything as you're saying is true, but what, what I meant specifically by like the, it not fitting into a larger cohesive framework is like i've been to and people people talk about this kind of stuff all the time but i've been around people it's actually happened to you know you go to like an ayahuasca retreat or something let's say and someone says you know i'll just make up an extreme example someone says wow you know while i was tripping um i saw buddha and buddha came to me and told me all this stuff wow that's crazy and then sitting next to them someone will be like yeah while i was tripping i saw ganesh and uh, you know that was crazy. And then some. Let's just say the next person the next to them was like, "Yeah, when I was tripping, I saw Jesus standing there." It was it was crazy, you know. And most people just take that at face value. But the thing is that you can't integrate that data at face value because those gods represent oppositional systems. So, but you're, but you're still talking about I mean
0: people about- tripping. You're still talking about children. If, I, if you were to use my analogy here between children and adults. So you're talking about children having ch- childish experiences relative to, let's say, if this is possible, somebody who would go the natural route and then be able to just through their own personal growth. Yeah, but what if you understand... go
1: through those extreme forms of meditation, like Owen is saying, and then someone may see Christ, other ones may see Indra. Well, Owen was talking about examples of, of people tripping out. out. There is, but at the same
0: time, it's like, if it's something that has some other component from the external world that's utilized to achieve this vision, this is very sus to me, and why I'm saying, like, at least I'm gonna leave room for the possibility that beyond quitting this idea of pursuing higher knowledge altogether there may be an actual point to trying to pursue this higher knowledge uh, or whatever you want to call it through sober means through the means of working on your own mind
2: oh yeah totally i mean that's what i'm about for sure i definitely think pursuing higher knowledge is valid yeah you could say that i reject that like psychedelics are like a viable way of pursuing like spiritual knowledge basically yeah and i agree with you we are in agreement
0: there the only thing that we are in disagreement about right now owen and well, who I don't knows know. that i won't
1: close the door but i mean no, I'm no, very I'm, harsh right on now. psychedelic culture oh, but it, it's a surprise i would i would say i wouldn't close uh, the door
0: well okay i i personally uh, would close the door right now uh, for myself at least but what i'm saying is that the disagreement i think between me and owen just has to do with this let's say mid realm or whatever you want to call it of having these very trippy dream-like experiences in the astral plane where you end up you know meeting well, mantis man and be like hey mantis man what's up and he's like hey lev that would be fun to me owen like i'm, I'm mm-hmm. not gonna hurt anybody and i'm not gonna well, hurt before, myself through the process of taking drugs to achieve that so well, that's we'll, all i'm we'll saying bring
1: this up in the, in the other in the yes. stream, but before owen has to leave i wanted desperately because we didn't get to this um, and I know this is personal, but Owen, what made, what uh, give us your Saul road to Damascus. I, <laughs> you didn't go beheading Christians, obviously, but what, what, what um, were the stages or was it a single moment or was it in stages? What made you turn back to the path of Christianity as apart from your explorations and Buddhism in particular, Vedanta, so forth? What made you convert back to I know you didn't have a religious upbringing, but let's just say in in terms of culture, like America, like, I don't know what, are you an Orthodox Christian or?
2: I don't belong to any particular group.
1: Non-denominational.
2: Yeah. I jokingly describe myself as like reluctantly non-denominational. You know, Mm -hmm. people know like Mm -hmm. non-denominational churches where they're like, yeah, we're non-denominational. Where I'm like, (laughs) yeah, unfortunately, I haven't like signed up for anything yet. Um, But yeah, I mean, well, Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, I wouldn't really say it was like converting back to, I know you qualified as like, you know, cultural and stuff, but I really do feel like in the realm I grew up in, like the idea of like becoming Christian would have been literally like the most insane thing possible. I mean, more so than like getting like a third arm attached to your face or something. Like it really couldn't have been less my like cultural context, which is probably why I never considered it. Uh, But I guess in a nutshell, the arc would be that I... Got really into religion, alongside studying art. It wasn't really initially paired with the art. Uh, I think it was that when I first went away, like to college. This is like a long time ago, obviously. But just to put it in a nutshell. Uh, I got like really depressed and I intuitively wanted to read like really old books. I think it was a reaction against like the modern art and stuff around me. I was like, you know, there must be something with this old stuff, like kind of a really stupid but also intelligent moment of like, yeah, why do people keep all these old books around? Like what's in them? Like what's the deal? And when I read the Tao De Ching, that was when I had this moment of, you know, one of my first like quote unquote like red pills, you could say where I realized like all around me, I've been told that religion is stupid, but this book is crazy smart. So obviously something has been kept from me. And it started an arc of me reading all the religious texts I could find. Uh, Just like trying to really just shopping the buffet of like, what's this? What's this? You know, putting on all the different glasses. Um, I think another big turning point was when I read a book called Doors of Perception by Aldous Huxley. Mm -hmm. And Long story short, yeah, long story short, at that moment, I really liked drugs. I really liked religion and I really liked art. And when I read that book, it's like he was telling me, hey, all those different things you like, they're actually integrated in one thing that is. That was my experience reading as well. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, oh, I actually. I was like 14 years old. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I was like, oh, all my interests are cohesive. Like it's not a coincidence that I really like these Eastern religious texts and doing acid and painting. Like this is all part of one thing. Like, wow. And that was really my, you know, MO, my like modus operandi for a long time. Um, just focusing on the turning point so i don't get rambly i got really into the eastern stuff for a variety of reasons it goes well with being like a nerdy white guy who's really into psychedelics we kind of talked about that last time <laughs> yeah, but yeah. The big changes after that would be so i was really into tibetan buddhism and doing psychedelics and all that stuff and into like shamanism in a way also you know i went to some native quote-unquote native american stuff but it's more like a scholastic background and like glue for holding together like what connects me doing acid in my room and you know uh me going to this tibetan buddhist temple like this vaguely neoplatonic like shamanic worldview that i'm like cobbling together and uh along the way up until this point i had done a ton of psychedelics like i mean i don't want to like flex it's there's some interesting stories along the way but <laughs> i've done like all the psychedelics people have heard of and some that people haven't so i was really really into it and i guess the turning points were when i got really far down into tibetan buddhism i hit this wall of like well am I going to learn Tibetan? Am I going to like basically become Tibetan? And I realized that because Buddhism is is made for those cultures it travels to when it takes those forms, it was kind of like imagining, you know, someone who's Mongolian trying to get to a point where they could casually understand things like, oh, Noah's Ark and uh, Paul Bunyan and all these random cultural American metaphors. I was like, I'm never going to be so immersed in the Tibetan system that I'm going to just get this system that's made for Central Asian people. And I realized that what drew me to Tibetan Buddhism was that it was this hands-on religious experience. And I realized that I had that in my own backyard, that being Western occult. So I sort of had this epiphany moment where I was like, oh, I'm a Western person. I should be doing Western occult. Tibetan Buddhism is almost like Tibetan occult if I'm using occult in like a neutral sense, not negative or positive. That's Mm kind of like what it's like. Um, And and I like how the Dakinis
0: look like uh, pretty Tibetan ladies.
2: They do. The Tikinis. Yeah. They're kind of like, what are they like snaky flying mermaids kind of Mm -hmm. Uh, anyway? So, yeah. So I got to that point and I poured it over to Western occult and that's really like where I was for a long time, like shopping around Alistair Crowley world, also trying to go ancient and older. But the crux of the story, you asked me like how I like converted is basically it was a combination of things. Um, The main questions that I had weren't getting answered by the Eastern systems of you know why does good and evil exist which i do think absolute good and evil exists obviously and how the universe get created like what's the deal with making the universe those weren't getting addressed by the eastern system so eventually i kind of like broke up with them they really are like my like ex-girlfriends like i don't go out of my way to like talk shit about them but <laughs> i broke up with them like for a reason
1: um so that's yeah usually,
2: that's surprising because usually those are the two
1: main questions that like reddit fedora tippers atheists use as justification to run away from Christianity, which is, what about good and evil, man? Like, um, it seems like, but those questions drove you towards Christianity, which is fascinating. It's about, well, in one the modern context, but.
2: Yeah, know. well, it's because, it's really because of, I don't think we talked about the last time, but one of the biggest things ever, it stuck with me, like, I think I read this, like, in high school, and I just never forgot about it, but C.S. Lewis has this thought experiment in mere Christianity, where, you know, to put it in one sentence, it's, if you took everyone who thought stealing was bad and killed them, so everyone on earth thinks stealing is good, would stealing be good? The answer is no. So that Mm. proves that stealing being bad isn't conditional on human beings. It's a super physical thing written into the universe, like gravity or something. And like, how do you explain that? And when I read that, it tripped me out so hard and I couldn't explain
1: it. That would even contradict like denontology, like Kantian Metaphysical uh, moralism, like, because you give each other the moral law reason but then if everyone mm. but he was like well if everyone believed in stealing then we couldn't have a world that exists where everyone believes in stealing because it like society wouldn't function now i remember yeah. my philosophy prof was talking about that yeah
2: well, that breaks down too though in my opinion because you could easily imagine a world where every culture does female genital mutilation or something i mean right. that could happen but then it would still be wrong it would I mean, be maybe wrong maybe
3: we do maybe there is something that we're doing that's really really wrong but we've just been culturally conditioned to believe that it's not well, like I can fact, name a few things, farming, actually. Factory yeah, farming, the fact, so many but deaths.
2: But the, the fact that we can be culturally conditioned to do something and it's still wrong proves that it being wrong isn't conditional on the cultural mm-hmm. conditioning, if that makes sense. Well, one the fact thing, that a well, culture can be wrong proves that there is something to be wrong about. So sure. it is like a super physical thing. Or
0: lo- right? look at the that tribe where, you know, the boys uh, give the blowjob to the older men and that's supposed <laughs> to be... You know what I'm talking about? Like A lot of are, cultures... Who, who, yes. who
3: come up with that. They have, a, yes, they they have, but this um, is like specifically
0: like about like transferring their manhood energy yeah, into you, uh... and you're supposed to become <laughs> a man. There are ones so, that yeah. stretch
1: the genitalia. I remember Joseph Campbell was talking about... Oh, yeah. The no, of in, on the Hawaiian
3: yeah. Islands. Mm-hmm. Actually, but but it's, it is
0: very times. interesting, though, how a lot of these tribes, they do a lot of these very strange, kooky things, mm-hmm. yet it seems to me, Owen, that the more people go into this realm of more nuance and more thinking and more civilization a lot of these questions i think do end up cropping up even with zarathustra back in the day was zoroastrianism that was like the og good versus evil mentality back in the day and maybe we could even say that the jews uh in the uh, period of exile took some aspects of zoroastrianism maybe a lot of aspects of zoroastrianism into there but for me Like Where I personally uh, fall into a lot of this stuff is that I think that the more cultured people end up getting over time, then certain things, they come out through whichever way, and people can understand that there is a good and there is an evil, there is the right way to treat somebody and the wrong way to treat somebody. Me personally, if we are talking about culture here... I would be interested, and I was kind of inspired by this conversation that you just had right now with us to start looking more into the Kabbalah. And I know I mentioned the Kabbalah before here and there, mm-hmm. but uh, I am interested just in the way that that works, because it also talks about good and evil, but it talks about it in the sense of giving and receiving, where it talks about the Creator being a force of all giving for the sake of giving, mm-hmm.
1: and how we I'm soft receive, as a, yeah, yeah, and how we, we we, we receive.
0: For the sake of receiving, and even when we show love for other people, there is still an aspect of us, just of our egotistical self, that gets pleasure from that. And did that kind of keeps care? us in that state. So
1: maybe, the, I just said care, so maybe there could be some strange, like, Heideggerian Kabbalism going, <laughs> going maybe. on. Maybe. Oh, so
2: and well, by the way, what, yeah. No, I was going to say, it's funny you mentioned like the tribes and stuff like that, because that was also a big part of me sort of like getting a reality check, because I can't say like exactly under what conditions, but I was in a situation where I got to interact with people from some groups that, uh, let's just say some people would describe them as like primitive if they were being uncharitable. I wouldn't say that, but let's just say that was the case. And like, I don't know if people know, but there really are like headhuntery tribes and like tribes that eat people out there and stuff. I mean, no offense, but like that actually does exist. Yeah. And th- when I was at the height of, like, my, yo, shamanism is cool, like, quote, unquote, primitive people, like, really got it all figured out and magic is real and all this stuff, which magic is actually real. But the point is that I got to interact with some people from those groups. Uh, I won't say from where, but it was a tribe that basically, like, straight up used to like, eat people and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they got converted Cannibal to
1: Christianity. Stuff, yeah. well, they got
2: converted to Christianity. And it was interesting mm-hmm. because I met this older I they, guy.
3: Yeah, I, I bet they really enjoyed taking the host.
2: Well, it was interesting. Eh. I, <laughs> I didn't ask you about that, eh. but, but when the when the when the when I talked to this guy, you know, he came and I was talking to him, and I was like, "Hey, dude, you know, the, like I said, they became Christian." And I was asking him about all this stuff, like the magic stuff and the 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 older religion stuff and the black magicies, and he was like, he was really negative about it. I thought I was in this perspective of like, "Oh yeah, this tribe, like they got converted to Christianity, but I bet it's just like cultural, and they think it's whack, and they want to go back to like the real old ways and stuff." But they, they really, the people I talked to really didn't. They were like, that stuff is like really fucked up and creepy. Mm-hmm. And we left it behind, like for a reason. Yeah. I'm not saying that speaks for everyone, obviously. And it definitely doesn't. But it did reality check me a little bit to be like, I have this rose colored lens on so hard. And
3: a lot of and, white people do. A lot of Western white yeah. people do have the hmm. perception that like somehow like these ancient, you know, these, these foreign tribes have been contaminated somehow. And that, you know, there's white savior of, like, complex. That, yeah. Like, yeah. Yearning. Yeah, to return to the cultural roots and it's like well, that, well, yeah, that's that, not that, but like, no,
1: but Alexander, you bring that up and I want I I I wish that, that Daniel Pinchbeck could come here, but he I'm will he fucking will want him next time. But I was gonna bring up how the New Age movement has a lot of that what Saeed now and I here's the thing, there's a lot of problems with Saeed's thesis about exoticism and orientalism, but there is a sense of orientalism and exoticism within the new age movement in terms of like the white savior saying that all oh, the christianity came along and like uprooted these tribes and there's also like a far right wing version of that but i tend not to get into those things because i have friends who are um neo-pagans and nordicists and i know it's like a sticking well, point well geo you know with my uh, uh you know it's my another theory... thing i want to talk to yeah. you owen but i know you have to go but what is your question what is your opinion on the pagan versus christian like thing mm-hmm. i don't know i think it's we make more out of it than it is i don't know it's just i don't want to offend people that i know who are good people either way so
2: the pagan versus christian thing well yeah i'll let you guys know when i have to go i'm just kind of chilling right now um well it's kind of interesting i mean i don't really like go out of my way to like like you're saying like i don't really go out of my way to like be a dick honestly and like you know that's why i always i'm kind of like qualifying what i'm saying like when i say like buddhism i usually qualify of like my perception of it because i know people who like study really hard and it's kind of like you know, it's different for them versus like someone wandering into like, you know, urban outfitters and picking up like a book with like the Buddha on it and like a pink, you know, logo or something. Um, (laughs) But the Christian pagan thing, I mean, it's not something I go out of my way to like jump into. I think that there is definitely like a very something very, very valid about being like, oh, you know, how did my people used to be and how did things used to be in the past? And maybe there's Mm -hmm. something cultural here where like the baby got thrown out with the bathwater and maybe there is something interesting or valid or aesthetic or or deeper here or whatever. Um, But if I got into more like of a theological debate about it, I think that for the most part, again, I'm not speaking about everyone. But usually it's funny because it's kind of like I was talking about the psychedelics and how it fits into a larger worldview. I feel like normally it's not part of like a larger cohesive cosmology in the sense that, you know, if your argument is like, I guess you could say I'm straw manning if you were being uncharitable to me, but if your argument is like, well, people should just be the pagan faiths that their ancestors used to be, you know, that's how it should be. A lot of those faiths don't add up to each other. So what are you saying that someone who's Nordic should believe this and someone who's Jewish should be Jewish? Well, now those two systems don't go together. So which one's true? And when you ask them, they're usually like, Oh, well, that's like an Abrahamic thing, like obsessing about like the universal truth or whatever. But at the end of the day, like, something's either true or it's not. You know what I mean? Well, there would be
0: a pagan system where gods would be incorporated into the pantheon of another pagan tribe. But again, those tribes would have had something in common with those gods when we're talking about the antediluvian time as far as whether these were actual, you know, Nephilim big people who were, you know, much taller and smarter and, you know, like super saiyan level human beings. And
1: Martin K K in the chat is mentioning the recent uh, online twitter war between thomas 777 and varge vickners which i feel <laughs> i had a tweet where it was the picture from uh uh obviously varge would be um bruiser brody against rick flair because i don't know thomas kind of looks like rick flair to me but <laughs> well, he's, <actually laughs> a good ex- example.
2: he's a good example i feel like varg is like too cool to notice like every random little thing i say so i'll just use him yeah. as an example even though i really don't like to talk shit about like particular people and i'm really not talking shit i'm just explicating mm. an aspect of his world to you but like i feel like when he goes into it he's like i don't know that much about him at all i've literally probably seen like 30 tweets so i don't know that much about him but when he goes into it he's like oh yeah the gods like are us like the gods are these metaphors for x y and z and stuff so it's like at the end of the day yeah. you're an aesthetic atheist and usually i think like the a lot of, thing is aesthetic it's like yeah. the, and i'm down because i'm such an aesthetic person but i feel like you can't reason backwards from politics and aesthetics into what is the truth about metaphysics and things like that directly without at least acknowledging it
1: i feel like a lot of the neo-pagans they they sort of are nominal atheists and so not a lot of them but certainly i know varg and some people on like 4chan are nominally atheistic in terms of the gods being metaphors but there is quite a lot of them i believe uh who's the big one the youtuber he's pretty good he's pretty good about the christian thing too uh survive the jive i think he's a theistic pagan if I recall. But but there are other ones. Uh, you, you're right. I mean, uh, I'd love cool. to have both of them on the show, but I fear that mm-hmm. uh, I would just... I know Varj, he, he denounced music recently, but I fear I, <laughs> I, I, fear I would just be Don't top fanboying about Bursam all day. I mean, oh, I would love to have Thomas 7-7 on as well. That would be quite interesting. So, oh, by the way,
0: we got five Canadian dollars from Peter Faust who says, let's go, someone say yeah. <laughs> well, Alexandra...
3: No. Yeah. God no. <laughs> you Never had to go you life. had to pick the
1: woman to say it on the stage
0: No, no, I picked Before... the person the first person who made a noise after I said the uh the <laughs> Yeah, no, chat. that it was
3: a like derisive snort.
0: Well, um... <laughs> Owen, Owen, can you help us? Can you help us out here? Uh,
2: a... I I will say nya out of a, <laughs> oh, solidarity, there go. out of there a sense of solidarity with the online <clears> you. anime, the online but, uh, anime Oh,
1: before yeah. that, we missed a five. Yeah, yeah super, super chat Iron from
2: Super Iron
0: Bob. Yes, good who says over the here, show? I, says, says, I want to I see Go I on, should go read on. this. Or yes, it's for yes,
1: you, buddy. Yes, I yes. want to see Lev try to lick the butter off the bread. Can't do it. Nope. Just impossible. I mean, it depends what <laughs> bread we're talking about. If we're talking about a good slice of rye, then I don't know. It's kind of, there's some <laughs> slipperiness to it.
0: I could I could bring my cat in. I could bring my cat Steve as a as like. We're talking a, about some what, nice pot of lo, montego, lo, as they say. Like, like tag team wrestling, like tag team wrestling. Geo, I bring my cat in because he's got the spines on the tongue, so he can lick the butter right oh, that's off. that's true. He's a butter cat. That's what he is. He's a butter cat. But uh, like the cat, also... the
1: cat that's like got the piece of butter on it. He's like crying. He's like, would well, you well, eat me?" No, that, that was an example
0: of uh, that was an analogy to butter dog. For those who know what Butter G- Dog is. Peter
1: Faust Geo hey. drop the nya.
0: Good. I'll say nya. Good that you don't, don't know what that Qua's. is. Uh, Modern Hermeticus, by the way, he has a comment. He says, um, hold on, where is this? Oh, oh here. Okay, so Modern Hermeticus." By the way, ha- speaking of quiet Owen, you
1: would love this. Owen, before we get to, to Modern Hermeticus, there one of my favorite art critics, and I want him on the show one day. His name is uh, Thurston Bor uh, Bots Borstein he wrote the book deculturation i've mentioned this before but he wrote a book before that it's called um it's called kawaii and cool it's about i shit you not it's about in america black people that are into anime and like how bl- like tight. black like culture a, on the like internet con- converges yeah. with anime I, sh- I shit you not look yeah, up. i'm this actually book. down
2: yeah. i'm down actually that sounds pretty tight
1: yeah i'll, that, I'll send you the link cool. it's it's amazing uh, if if Lev, you know what Lev, I'm just gonna send you the, so you could put it in the chat. Yes, um, please
0: send me. So this is the comment for modern hermeticist. Uh, just ask Owen what he thinks about the third status of the Holy Spirit. I have no idea what that is. So Owen, buddy, uh, go go for it if if you can. I, I don't know what that is. Status
2: of the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah, third status of the Holy Spirit.
2: Like the fact that it's
0: third in the Trinity. I don't know. I'm gonna look this up myself right now. Oh, uh,
2: well. Can you qualify what what uh what he means exactly? Because it could be a few different things. I mean, are you talking about like the Joaquin Fiore thing? Joaquin. Mis- mispronounce that name. But uh, let me know exactly what you.
0: Mean. Yeah, I have no idea. I hope that he's still going to be here in the chat for him to be able to um, hear. Okay, I found something just by searching on um, Law of Gospel. Hold on. What is this? Um, Abbot. Joachim, Joachim, book of illustrations. Um, if the Americans had gained some knowledge about Joachim's expectation of the third, I don't know. I'm assuming that
2: I, I'm going to assume that that per, the person's asking about like this guy named Joachim of Fiore and this idea about like the third era of the Holy Spirit. I haven't heard it called the third status, but I mean it's also interesting to talk about. So maybe that's what he's talking about. But basically, there was, there was this idea that came about from this guy named Joachim of Fiore. And it's I'm probably mispronouncing that, but I'm American, so I don't care. Um, And basically, the idea was that you can look at like the theological history of man. And there are these eras and there's the Old Testament era of humans being under God, the father. And then there's the New Testament era of being under God, the son, there's Jesus. But now it's this idea that we're in we're transitioning to this new era. That's the third era of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be totally different and all this stuff. And he got condemned. I don't know if he got like officially condemned, but eventually church officials were like, "Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, we kind of still need Jesus and stuff. Like, what are you talking about, bro? But a lot of people trace like this vibe of this eminent era of like the spirit that's characteristic of new age back to that. I haven't actually read his writings, but it's come up a lot uh, in my stuff. And and, and he says
0: over here, uh, modern Hermeticus, he says, because that's the root of all the new age stuff.
2: Yeah. Okay. So So that's what he's talking about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah does yeah. this
1: coincide also with the theory of um that people like carl jaspers talked about the axial ages like christ came about during a certain axial age after the buddha and so forth i wonder if that has a similarity to it
2: yeah i haven't i used to be into the axial age stuff but i actually started to be skeptical about like the precession of the earth's axis and that whole mm-hmm. like process anyway so i kind of just like deported mm-hmm. it from my worldview. Um, interesting. Mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I guess what I could say it's interesting about the walking the stuff, instead of just like recapitulating the first paragraph of Wikipedia about it is that I do, as I go deeper into my studies of different systems, what kind of starts to happen is you are getting really, really deep in like the engine and really, really deep in like the programming, let's say. And sometimes I'm like, wow, there's, there's little, there's like p- bits of code in here that no one cares about this is like really like, you know, obsessive, ridiculous stuff. But then at the same time, you hit these little nodes where you're like, wow, this little bit buried 10,000 layers underneath here has ramifications that maybe are spilling out and characterizing the whole system itself. And when I see things like of Fiore and the trend of Western theology and the trend of the West in general, sometimes I think that maybe the answer is rooted deep down in like these fundamental posits of the system. Like, like I said, I don't really subscribe to I don't really belong to any one group within Christianity, hmm. but I get that tension a lot between Catholicism and Orthodoxy, where someone on the Orthodox side will say, well, yeah, the West ended up going in this direction because of these really, really deep down fundamental posits buried way deep within like Catholicism. Or if you're being charitable, you could say that maybe we're misinterpreted or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's weird that you can go back. What is Joaquin the like 1200s or something and find someone basically being like a proto new age character. Uh, but why, what's the reason why couldn't really say. There is another interesting thing
0: that, uh, uh I got from what you were talking about that tribesman who, uh, was very negative towards yeah. the way that his uh, people used to do things. And I talked about this, uh, with geo before where, I would almost flip the idea around that people have of seeing humanity start from a primordial, like, uh, you know, like very primitive state into something higher, where, just for the sake of imagining it, imagine if this tribesman would have been looking at the way his tribe has done things as actually being much more fallen than they were at a certain point before, which I know runs counter to the way that people see uh, evolution of the human being. But I'm curious if uh, that would resonate in any way uh, with you, what I'm saying here, like where there would be a, you you know what
2: I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, it's kind of like a whole, it's like a whole separate, like, folder in a way, but also not really. But I think that I don't really, I don't, I wouldn't really say, I guess, I, I guess I will say it this way it's there's a lot of things like the evolution thing and the space thing and the galaxies and all that stuff where like independent of whether it's true or not i think it does serve like a function within the larger worldview and whether or not people think you know evolution is real like you were saying i think it serves to promote this subtextual idea of like yeah and we're just getting better and better it's always getting better and better and it kind of naturally leads to well, then what's around the corner? Like, there must be a new big thing. Wig history, the
1: fallacy of Wig history. Yeah, but
2: for me, I definitely flip that a lot as I've been going more and more, and I tend to see certain things that other people take for granted as, like, the original better proto-state. I kind of see them as, like, a degradation in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. A good example Mm -hmm. of that that's just kind of interesting to look into, and again, it touches with the psychedelics thing, is people are always pumping this idea of, like, shamanism. Like, shamanism is the original religion and it used to be like basically they don't say this but basically it was like all shamanism and then it kind of corrupted into like these rigid belief yeah. systems where but i mean god, is that really god
1: dogma man yeah but is that really
2: true i mean a really interesting example is like you can go back as far as you want in ancient egypt and where's the ancient egyptian shamanism exactly it,
0: no exist? the she reason why shamanism oh, gone
2: no, I was just gonna say they started. It, I mean, of course, they didn't start day one, but it seems like they started. It after, seems really it's Semitic system. Yeah, it's a it great. seems well, like
1: Indo-European were, people don't have that. I mean, they do. I mean, you, well, they Indo- were brought. I mean, if we go with the Graham Hancock
0: thing, the Egyptians were brought their civilization to them by the survivors of the past age. But I would also sorry, say, the, I meant to say, Semitic
1: Sem- people don't have that history of shamanism as much. But.
0: Well. Well, here, here's here's my crazy theory. Geo knows about it. This is completely ridiculous. Don't take anything I say right now seriously. But if we're talking about shamans who wear the skin of animals, I think the animals are actually people. I think animals are people that have gone through a process of devolution. They all have the same. Um, they all have the same backbone, but their faces and skeleton had just been morphed. You know, through
1: time, through adaptation to their I, environment. I shouldn't, but love, I shouldn't say West because what you're describing is also what Protagoras uh, believed in as well. So, Interesting. With,
0: with, I got um, I, I to look up uh, how he saw this. But yeah, like I just look at the human form as being something very special, something now, divine, protagori- you could say. In-
1: you, you, the mathematician pro- was a Protagoras. Uh, hmm.
0: Maybe I know I got I got to look him up. Yeah. But basically, like all the other animals, I see as being derivatives of the human form that have gone through changes based Pythagoras. on their adaptations.
2: Pythagoras, sorry, Pythagoras, Pythagoras. Thank Pythagoras.
1: You. holy shit! Protagoras is the Pythagoras.
2: <laughs> Pythagoras thought animals were degraded from the human. Yeah.
1: form. Wow, yeah, I, I didn't protagoras. know that. That's
2: interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: He he believed in very similar right, to right, reincarnation. Um, no, but
2: but it does yeah. it does make
0: sense if you look at the human form where. You know, you have this equal to this, equal to this. I mean, you're an artist, uh, Owen, so you must also observe things within the human form that differentiate it from a lot of the animal forms. Where the animal forms, at least to me, they seem to be stretched out. You know what I mean? Like, it's as if Mother Nature stretched the animals out in order for them to adapt to whatever environment or else they die. While human beings, we don't really fit in anywhere in nature. You know, like, we have to build a shelter. We have to do external things around us. And... It we're makes also, me think that there's something we, special here.
1: We're, not, we're no longer... Is it bipedal where you walk on all fours? No. But yeah,
0: pe- we're no longer bipedal. We have our that, That's another up, interesting, to up to the sky. Yeah,
1: Yeah, yeah no, there is no animal like us.
0: And I think this is a good form for exploring the cosmos. You there know, like recently, if you were to create one.
1: Well, there was recently even a book that's like really complicated theory cell shit uh, by... Uh, what's that publisher that does the acceleration stuff? or <laughs> Urbanomic? Uh, They have this book where it's this professor talking about how the evolution of the human skeletal structure is in a way similar to like a body horror on a cosmic level, because we were in some ways never meant to evolve in terms of like standing upright, but we had to by necessity, but that produces a lot of different like, distinctions between man and nature and the cosmos. And he, of course, ties us in with all, like, the accelerationism stuff. It's, it's just, just so hard to stand up,
0: though. That's the thing that always gets me. I mean, look, I gotta study genetics. 80% of people have back
1: pain in their lives for a reason. Right? That,
0: no, that's because they don't, uh, that's because already well, their back is not as good as the, it once also, was.
3: the reason yeah. why women um have such a hard time uh giving birth is because we're bipedal. That's you know?
1: right, yeah. and, it, well, and That's, and that's also in the Bible skull. that's
3: like, you know, it's like we were cur- we like because we like ate from the tree of knowledge or whatever. Yeah. That's why we're cursed to have such a hard time. It's like, no, or, it's literally the mechanics of like, you know, mm. the pe- human pelvis and how it's oriented. Unless,
0: you know? unless the past human beings were once like g- giant women and the heads of those kids were still big, that's not, not
3: about head size at all. It's like 100% about bipedalism because there's other yeah. animal species with a much larger head to body ratios and still like the canal is like you know vaginal canal is oh, still like we
1: have we have, have a lot of superstitions but, too. Oh.
3: but it, it is the bipedalism the it's the orientation of the pelvis and, and it's, it's, mm. that's why it's so painful and difficult because you're basically trying to be like up and out rather than just like out well
1: that's why don't they say that's why they recommend that women give birth like uh um, squatting yeah like you know, squatting where, like they used like, to back in the day or like or underwater that really
3: fascinates me about science is that um a lot of times like there is this sort of like this sort of loopy path of like people will figure out the best way of doing something and then for some reason like just completely renounce it and decide to do things in a worse way
1: <laughs>
0: for special reasons.
3: Yeah you know, yeah like like you know norm- yeah. like the sort of normalization of like having women on their backs like
1: and there's a long genealogy a of why
3: not yeah, it's just adult, like it's just yeah. like a cultural conditioning thing where like we assume, oh yeah, of course women have, you know, you know they have sex on their backs, so they'll give birth on their backs, like duh, it's like no.
2: Yeah, there are Tibetan <laughs> it's a paintings. terrible idea. Yeah, there are Tibetan paintings I've seen where women are giving birth on all fours, like on their mm. not on their stomachs, but they're on all fours, and uh,
3: literally any way other than on your back is better.
2: Yeah, actually, you know, it's funny what you said before. Or maybe like standing
3: on your head, that would all. Who knows? Yeah, just like. Women, you know, there was that one scene
1: in Cannibal Holocaust. uh, uh,
0: Never mind. Owen, Owen, before you that there was a comment, five dollars from Peter Faust. I wanted to get to that. I wanted Owen to respond
1: and then we'll get to it because that's a very good one by Peter Faust.
0: Okay. uh, Well, first, uh, Owen, you wanted to respond to, uh, there was an earlier comment that somebody made that you wanted to respond to. I was just going
2: to say about the, the human form and the animal forms, the animal forms being stretched. Yeah, I have these golden ratio calipers here. They like measure the golden ratio. They're like these tools, and I've used them on my body, but I never actually used them on my dog. So I will do that. Actually, I'm going to do that tonight. I'll see if the, it's like how divinely proportioned my dog is. But well, yeah, what's the, the comment? What's the only the, the only the only difference that I want to say real quickly before we get to that comment? Have you used is, it for
1: phonology, Owen? Well,
2: the the <laughs>
0: only the only difference that I would say with the human form is I think you'd find a lot of golden ratios and stuff on your dog. The difference that I would say specifically with the human head is again the distance from the chin to the nose from the nose to the eyebrow ridge from the eyebrow ridge to the top of where the hair starts growing this is like pretty much equal i mean obviously it's gonna be yeah even not fully but
1: even like i'm and i'm no portrait artist but even in in uh, portrait art you have like the riley method and you have brog where they teach you like the space between the eyelids to the nose to the back of the eyes it's all like there's an eight the riley method like there's eight points that are roughly equal to every human face that and it's yeah. an easy metric if you like really want to get into portraiture but um there's I something mean, very, oh when you went to art school so you have it. probably more experience with uh um i'm i'm no portrait artist i mean i try <laughs> but fuck did you by no, the Gio, way when great. you saw i don't know if you saw my mussolini draw. <laughs>
2: No, I didn't see it, but I'll check it out. <laughs> please please I, post I it in the it chat.
1: Here,
0: and uh, also, Gio, it. you should draw a furry version of it called Mussolini.
1: Oh, God. Like,
0: <laughs> not... Or Owen, this is a free idea for you if you want to do that. Oh, Moo Cellini. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> sa-
1: he has to be kind. He says all oh, these <laughs>
0: Jeez. that'll be great oh. you'll have a new furry furry fan base a new furry italian fascist fan base no, don't
1: give him the fucking that's already <laughs> that's the reagan lodge approach to art. so here i have my one of lincola so oh nice Petri lincola, Cool. But that's when he was young and i'll show you the the mussolini one is uh right here so hmm
2: Nice, that's pretty solid, dude. Oh, cool. thank you. Mm.
1: Uh, there's a lot of wonky stuff. I have one of Moldbug that was kind of wonkier, but let me let me look it up. Uh,
0: and everybody, subscribe right oh, here now. Look at the Apparently, level.
1: Apparently, a friend of mine here put this on Urbit, so I know that Moldbug saw it. Nice. <laughs> looks. I I, I should have made his face a bit longer, but <laughs> we, we should we oh, should guys. get
0: get him on soon. So oh, uh, hopefully, let's, let's... he's
1: doing the. Uh, I mean, if please, if everyone anyone knows. Mole bug on Urbit or somewhere I know he's doing a, a circuit Recently but I would oh, love get, to have we, him we, on I would love to have great critics of him on Like yes. Carlsbad who would really uh... By the way Carlsbad you're no longer my friend You fucking called me out on Twitter I hate you I'm sorry I'm kidding I love <laughs> N.T. Carlsbad uh, But he is right I'm kind of like a Pomo um, enthusiast So he's, he was critiquing me on that So, But anyways let Peter Faust has this great yes. Quote for you, Owen personally, but also other people can get in on this. So this is, and we also have another one by uh, Liam Converse and also by Cream Wizard, <laughs> Cream Wizard. So <laughs> for five dollars, Peter Faust, uh, what is your? So I, uh, what is your answer to Nietzsche's sort of questions on how particular strains of Christianity based around love is degenerative? presumably of the human spirit so the the, the, the genealogy of morals
2: uh what is your take Owen? yeah like slave morality and like stuff like that yeah. i feel like that's kind yeah. of the same same pocket um well the thing about it's not it's not exactly what he asked but the thing about slave morality which is normally what the critique is with the nietzsche crew for my opinion uh in my experience is that slave morality actually not that I'm fit to like critique like a great philosopher, but it's a it's a logical fallacy called the appeal to motivation. To say, well, you have this system because you have this motivation to X, Y, and Z is a logical fallacy. Not that that makes it invalid, but I'm just saying, cause it really bothers me. Uh, but I just, the idea, the question being, the idea of appealing to love as sort of this universal principle degrading the human spirit uh i just don't really see it that way it's kind of like a very deeply unsatisfying answer but i don't think that christianity exists in this context that people generally try and paint it as where like let's say someone broke into my house i'm like i'm not gonna like shoot them or something i think that that kind of like cosmic love (laughs) is sort of on a different level and playing field than the fallen situation that we're in and that we're a part mm-hmm. of. Um, I wouldn't say it's degrading to the human spirit. In fact, I kind of think it's like the opposite. I think that if you strip that out and you really start looking at other people, maybe even you could say your enemies or something as pure you know, bags of meat, obstacles to be mm-hmm. overcome. <laughs> i think that that's actually like i think that that's actually like what is degrading like to the human spirit really i mean you could look at that within any like political situation or something i mean it doesn't really matter like what my politics are but let's say there's a group of people where i'm like yeah we're enemies and like i don't like it and you probably don't either but we are enemies if it's not put into this larger folder of like however there is this larger theological situation that enmeshes into this particular conflict that we're having, I would say that is degrading to the human spirit because then I'm just like an animal and why don't I just go kill you or something? Yeah. Then. We'll look at the Yeah. And someone is going to hear that and say, well, yeah, maybe you should. But the thing is, even if it was like a war or something like that, let's say there was a totally justified war that I had to go be a part of. And it was let's just say for the sake of discussion, it was completely justified. Like, yeah, those guys are fucking up our whole situation and we have to go kill them. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I could do that. Yeah. But I w- it would still be put into a larger framework of this provisional conflict that I'm a part of is not absolute. The, it's not the absolute con, cosmic situation. It's a provisional conflict that I'm a part of. Maybe some people in a neighboring country are like coming and you know, messing up our bread situation and our people are going to starve, so we're going to go kill them. That's a provisional situation that's contingent on circumstance. It's not an absolute defining larger larger mm. situation that I'm going to put myself, the essence of myself into and say, this defines me and my nature. It's something I'm participating in, but there's a higher reality.
1: But would you say that there is also with even within Christianity, um, for example, when you look at uh, Evola's text, Metaphysics of War, that was largely a Nietzschean pagan text. But at the same time, do you think within Christianity, there's still a context for struggle and conflict and war, even if it's just a war of the self against the self in terms of um, the, the history of conflict within Christianity? I don't know. I mean, it is kind of like you're saying an alien an alien dialectic as opposed to what is traditionally Christian Orthodoxy. I don't know. It's, well, it's
2: one of those strange kind of
1: gray areas.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm not totally qualified to give like the, I'm not actually in any way qualified to give the official answer on that. But my answer to that would be that uh, you asked, is there a place for some type of like conflict like that within Christianity? Is that the thing about Christianity is that you, there's a, there's like sort of a, a, a break when people from different worldviews are talking about this kind of thing where, Within Christianity, we recognize that we're in a fallen world that is unideal. So it becomes a little messy if you're saying like, well, is there a place for it? Well, yeah, dude. I mean, is there a place for like shooting burglars? I mean, I would say so. Yeah. But Mm. like, is that ideal? No. So those two Mm. things seem to be in conflict. Like someone like from that worldview might ask me like, well, ideally, would you shoot someone breaking into your house? well ideally, ideally no ideally no but yeah. practic- practically yeah. would i yeah dude i definitely would well Maybe look at someone... the japanese during world war Two. all the torturous things that they yeah. did to the
0: prisoners that they call like blocks of wood you know that's already mm-hmm. like going beyond just practical you know we must kill them in order to get this island and or whatever
3: like you know avoid dehumanization understand the you know the reality of, of what 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 is transpiring don't use metaphor don't try to like coach yourself into like disbelieving reality If you're torturing a human being to death like that's what you're doing you know you're not performing medical experiments on them you're not you know i mean you are like in that context but like primarily you're torturing Mm -hmm. them to death but there may
0: have been a reason why the japanese were let off easier than the germans were Because they were again like a society that, even though there was the Meiji Restoration and all that, like let's face it, they were still within like their own hive mind echo chamber. Well, people have some theories
1: about some very esoteric (laughs) racists have some theories about why the. The Germans didn't get a lot of off, but the Japanese yeah. did. But Wait, wait, so are there other...
0: Yeah, wait, no, so just... the no, because the, Ger- the Germans, themselves.
1: they've already participated in the same kind
0: of civilization that everybody else in Europe did. The Japanese, not so much. They came yeah. in pretty late to that That party. is true.
1: We do have a Eurocentric view of World War II in general, whereas opposed to what the Japanese, what they were doing throughout the whole continent of Asia mm. was sort of like, not forgotten, but... It's it's much more. I I guess I mean, but it's different in America because America, you have a direct um, memory of the war in the Pacific theater. So it's kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, it's a strange.
2: Yeah, and Uh, there. Sorry, real real quick. Are there any other super chats or questions you want to hit? Because I am going to bounce. Um, All right. There is there's one final I would thing. Like to chill, but...
0: There is one final thing <laughs> I wanted to ask, which yep. is about uh, compassion. So this is just something I decided to look up. I didn't take any closer look at it. This was just like googling compassion Buddhism because I was just curious, like how this would contrast to uh, the Christ, uh, Christian ideas. So over here, just one quote: um, Compassion uh, is compassion a moral force? The answer, according to many spiritual leaders like the Dalai Lama, is a resounding yes the experience of compassion they assert has a radiating effect extending kindness and forgiveness towards others even those who have intentionally transgressed so that doesn't sound too bad to me but again this is just a sentence that I read from a Google search on some site that I don't like some uh, uh, Stanford University website so I don't know you were in this a lot longer than I am so I'm curious what would you say are the differences in the compassion the view of compassion in Buddhism versus uh, Christianity
2: um that's a really good question man uh well it's really hard to say anything definitive about like what is the view buddhism has towards x because under buddhism you have groups that are in my opinion way more disparate and different than you have under the christian umbrella you know you have like people that are almost like different religions almost um what would the difference be, though? I mean, of course, you have the same like kind of underlying, like be nice to people and stuff like that. Uh, it gets a little tripped out and different when you start incorporating reincarnation a little bit. But I don't know. Off the cuff, I'm hesitant to say that it's it's very, very similar. But I guess you could say the idea of compassion is similar. I think the difference would be... Motivations? The difference might be maybe, maybe motivations, We're both trying to get people to the end goal. But I mean... I think it's a more of a difference, probably group to group based on what it means to. Yeah, that would be more of a a better answer. It's more of a difference, like group to group based on what it means to be compassionate, because that is like a whole crazy can of worms. I mean, like if you have a friend who's like an alcoholic and he's drinking himself to death, if you beat him with like a two by four within an inch of his life and throw him in your basement and he stops drinking forever, is that compassionate? I mean, mm. I don't know. I can't really tell. You know, it's kind of an extreme example, but like what it means. What
0: to- would be the Christian answer to that, by the way? Like <laughs> if you were to go up to a priest and ask uh, him, do I do not like, think
2: you could beat a two-by-four, but I think if you chain <laughs> him in the basement to get him to stop drinking, you're in at least a gray area for like sure. Like Odysseus and uh, the sirens. <laughs> yeah, but that's, I think that that would be part of the difference. I mean, like, you know, within some of the more like, you could say extreme neutrally, but let's say different Christian groups, let's say I'll be like uncharitable towards my own worldview. I mean, if you have someone who's like a heretic, I mean, there were times where like, you know, speaking out against the idea of the Trinity in Europe would get you like literally killed. But they would say, "Well, we're being compassionate because you're endangering your soul by yes. blaspheming against God, so we're going to kill you." And sorry, that's that's the compassionate thing to do. I mean, I'm not really on board with that, but the idea of like, and you know, Buddhism has. I'm sure, I'm sure we can find something in Tibetan Buddhism of like that. Sure. You know, not, maybe not that, but we, you know. So the idea of like what it means to be compassionate, I think, is like conditional on like the worldview. Kind sort of a cop out answer. Sounds
1: pretty based. though. But no, no, it's interesting. I'm, I mean, it,
0: give, it gives us a lot of territory but, to look at in the future, and. This, uh, Yes. this
1: one super chat by liam converse um for five dollars i think it's interesting it's also i guess you could pertain to what we're talking about e michael jones uh maybe we should get emj on the podcast one day yeah. emj posits a good explanation of how it could be monotheism actually was the first religion in the late la- his latest book on on the logos look into low guy spermaticoi. spermaticoi. So that's pretty interesting how, in fact, monotheism was the first religion as such. I don't know if that's... uh, And of course, the other one by Cream Wizard is why um why does the golden ratio look so good i've never heard someone go in depth into it was it mentioned in the bible yes i think it was kind i, of I can answer that.
2: that that'll be the last thing i answer and then yes I'm gonna all
1: to right the,
2: yeah. ratio. the thing that people normally miss about the golden ratio well also just one other thing so i'll kind of wrap up these two things and then i'm gonna go bounce and deal with my my hound my houndlet as oh. i call her yeah mm-hmm. so that's what she's doing right now um The one thing that I would contrast with the Buddhism and Christian thing, I just thought of of a good example. In Mahayana Buddhism, there is a story in the Lotus Sutra where long story short, there's these kids in this house and the house is on fire and this guy goes to them and he's like, I don't know if I told the story last time, sorry if I did. And this guy goes to them and he's like, hey, um, the house is burning down, you have to get out of it. And the kids are like, whatever, we don't get it. We're little kids. Um, So then he goes to them and he's like, hey, on the lawn outside, I have all these toys and horses, like come outside. And they come outside and there's nothing there, but he saved them from the burning house. And the point of the story was basically the Buddha in this Mahayana Sutra saying, yeah, sometimes I have to lie to you guys because you guys don't fucking get it. And that's how it is being this woke. So there is a more provisional moral system, I would say, where in some forms of Buddhism, it's like, yeah, well, if you're a Buddha, you have to lie sometimes because people aren't going to get it. And then I think that I would see that as a little different than within the Christian system of like, yeah, lying is bad de facto, period. It doesn't matter. But that's my own bias, probably because of my worldview. Um, the golden ratio thing, this is the last thing I'll say, but I think it is worth saying because most people will kind of miss it, I think. The thing about the golden ratio that makes it the golden ratio is that it's the only proportion where the, this is going to be a lot easier if you're looking at something that has the golden ratio in it. So actually, if you look at one of your fingers, your fingers are proportioned into the golden ratio. If you cut it at the digit, it's the only ratio or your hand, your hand to your fingers, even is the golden ratio. Also, it's the only ratio where the ratio of the smaller part to the larger part is the same ratio as the larger part to the whole so what that means is that when you cut it right at that point the small part in relationship to the big part is the same thing as the big part in relationship to the whole so it kind of like vibrates and has this like feedback loop within itself and in my opinion that's part of why it has it's like hyper aesthetically pleasing quality and translates to like sound and number and geometry and visuals and everything um and why it works situation yeah it's almost like a fractal exactly if you look up something called the it's hard to find it if you look up something called the golden ratio but if you look up something called the phi ratio that's normally like where it comes up more um oh, and we so have martin k who who, who says a uh, 50 50
0: dollars not dollars but 50 the uh nordic money uh thanks oh, for coming on called? again Crow, Owen. Crow-in? uh yes Crowers? a great stream ali alo and yeah to everybody so thank you so much wow, martin k he is a patron of ours and also I, I recommend watching this documentary called Black Hole, not H-O-L-E, but W-H-O-L-E from this guy who's kind of like, um I don't know, you could say he's also one of those new age people, but he talks about like the ratio between like the human body and like the planet and the stars and the galaxy and all that. Like, it's it's interesting to think about how there is this relationship between a lot of these things, uh, mathematically speaking, and how There's you really- could, yeah.
2: Yeah, there's a really small book called The Golden Ratio or The Golden Mean by a guy named Dodd Sutton. I think that's the guy's name. Maybe it's Dodd Sutton or Scott Olson. I don't remember. It was one of those two guys. It's a good little book with a lot of pictures. But yeah, I'm gonna bounce right now, guys. Uh, this Thank was
1: super you fun. very much. For Thank me you again. so much, and, uh, Owen. It's Thank always a great pleasure, well.
0: guys. Please buy <laughs> Owen's merch right now. <laughs> go to uh, and I'm I'm gonna let you go, in, but I'm just gonna too. promote you while you are gone. So here we go, guys. Thank you so much for watching this. I really appreciate everybody. I really appreciate Owen, Gio, Alexandra. And now I'm going to load up the page, which has all the merch on it
2: from Owen.
1: I
0: just
2: bought a shirt today. Do you have a
1: Patreon or?
2: Yeah, I'll show. Yeah. So it's funny at the end, if you made, if you made it all the way to the end, you probably are at least somewhat interested in the vibe. Um, Yeah. I have a Patreon that really helps me out running the whole art thing. Uh, The main hub is my Twitter. I'm also on Instagram. It's at Owen broadcast and uh I got here the we go here with shirts and stuff. Patreon. But i got some i got some dope stuff coming out soon so it should be nice. pretty cool i can't say exactly what but i'm always machinating in the studio It's where i am right now i'm surrounded by like paper cutters and paint and paintings and all this stuff in here so some cool stuff is going down here is the Patreon for Owen Cyclops. I'm, I'm
1: going to get into the Patreon game soon when I also release uh, my shop. Absolutely. Website, so. Excellent. <laughs> nice. And
0: here is the Shopify over here. Buy his stuff. I just bought for my mom today the uh, Don't Eat the Lotuses shirt. Very beautiful shirt. So, shop uh,
1: and bazaar. <laughs>
0: yes Both. exactly Both. so Owen, brother thank you so much for coming in and i can't wait till we do the psychedelic stream we're gonna get daniel Pinchbeck in here and we are going to have a have quite a time
2: so cool man. thank you yeah, again really brother fun. i really appreciate cool. it i'll talk to you guys soon see ya see ya yeah.
0: so guys this is the very end thank you so much thank for being here thank you so much god thank bless you. Right. and don't forget to... to wear
3: real clothes next time i was like debating this and like fuck it yeah like... this
0: kind of looks like the trad outfit you know like the trad girl oh, meme what <laughs>
3: I can, uh, I actually have a next time I'll wear my my actual Trad girl dress
0: nice oh nice
3: oh I'll dress up I'll do a different theme for every stream
0: that would be so fun I love it and tomorrow oh by the way tomorrow free for all Friday I completely forgot to promote this so I'm gonna do it right now tomorrow we are talking Sonic the Hedgehog and if you guys if you guys like Sonic well we'll talk
1: about other things hopefully I mean oh god yes well the
0: first the first hour we're gonna be talking Sonic the Hedgehog and we're gonna have TJ Davis who did the vocals for Sonic R, which is the video game where you race a Sonic not with the stupid cars or the vehicles or whatever, or the surfboards, no you race a Sonic with his feet like he's meant to, so watch that, oh it's not and...
1: the 3D one that the kid was freaking out about the, it, the is, Sonic the oh, well, it is the, the 3D one, one. Oh, that's the worst
0: one, <laughs> <laughs> no
1: But, but Sonic the music is, is it... a good game, okay you remember that kid, the Sonic kid
0: okay, I don't remember the Sonic kid, I remember the oh, John Tron no, review, oh no, the backpack of Sonic R. No, I gotta take a look at that. Yeah, he
1: was freaking out about Sonic R because they made it 3D. So, um, Sonic, what's his name? There's a whole uh, wavy web surf on him. Rant against Sonic fan base. He ruined Sonic. Sammy Classic Sonic fan! Shout out to Sammy Classic Sonic fan! Holy crap. He fucking hated that. He bodied that game. Because it was 3D. <laughs> we should have him on. But
0: uh, no, but uh, TJ Davis, she did the vo- vocals for Sonic Car. She did the song Can You Feel the Sunshine and uh, a lot of other great songs. I want from to that tell TJ
1: Davis, you ruined <laughs> Samy <laughs> Cross and Sonic it. life. She had
0: nothing to do with it. She was just doing the music. But anyway, we also have another oh. special. Well, here's who we have tomorrow, by the way. So we have uh, Tom 64 We have Hotep Sophia. She is back. Conscious oh, Moss. MK Ultra Money, Finsimist, Luke Valentine is back with us. We have Metaphor Man. We have, uh, well, of course, we also have uh, Alexandra. You are yeah, coming it'll back be tomorrow. So nice.
3: It'll be so nice to have another woman on the stream. Holy shit, I'm sick of this sausage fest. <laughs> well, well... <laughs>
0: And Our uh, we...
1: Hotep Sophia is a woman, so yes.
0: Well, yeah, I that he, makes three he has three women. Excellent. Pronoun, so. So, so then we have <laughs> um, <laughs> the Terrence. The Terrence is coming as well, and uh, we also have special guest Zachary Elwood, who is a professional poker player, and he is the host of the psychology podcast People Who Read People. His work into online deception has been featured in the New York Times, Washington Post, and many more publications. So there we go. We are bringing it all to you live because we love you and we want to give you the
1: best damn entertainment tomorrow's that... stream is going to be a total disaster don't say no. that Gio. it's gonna be going to great we're gonna talk about psychology sonic uh other <laughs> various forms of things that should never be brought up in play conversation so <laughs> exactly
0: and the, and also here here's what else is happening so next week tuesday march 2 we are gonna have the cyberpunk stream and that one's gonna be with chaos prime all crunches the uh numbers and it's also going to be with zero HP Lovecraft. So nice. he is he is coming back for that. Uh, another free-for-all Friday on Friday, March 5th. Uh, on Tuesday, March 9th, we are doing a stream about the entertainment industry on Whoa. Thursday on Thursday, March 11th, we are doing a stream about the state of Europe with Alexander Bard as one of our guest panelists.
1: I wonder if we could get Niccolo Salo on with Alexander Bard in terms of European politics. Please, bring him on. If someone knows uh, Farmer on Twitter, Niccolo Salo, uh, if he could come on with Alexander Bard because he is an expert on European politics, that would be crazy. Um, I know he's, yeah.
0: And then we're going to have for... Tuesday March 16th John Stokes who is the co-founder of Ars Technica and he's a very big uh, weaponry oh, enthusiast God, no. So Ars <laughs> Technica <laughs> He's, it's, he's coming. Oh. We're doing it, man. I'm, I'm excited. And we are also going to have... Okay, we may have the psychedelic stream on Thursday, March 18th. We're going to figure that out. And then Tuesday, March 23, the great Sean Lang is coming back for a sewing discourse. He is the great English professor oh. who joined us that time of Free For All Friday. Nice. He is coming back. And finally, Thursday, March 25, we are going to have Grit Cult sewing discourse. With oh, Sean. finally. Finally. By the way, so that is for those...
1: Um, okay, two things go watch my video I just uploaded today. It's on it's critiquing this article by The Walrus, which, if people don't know, it's the uh, knockoff version of Jacobin Magazine. If you're Canadian, it's the Canadian Jacobin Magazine. Uh, it's about Zoomers versus Millennials on the internet. It's very great. But speaking of Grit Call, Grit Call did an excellent podcast with my good friend Alex Kashuda, who I was also on. Go look up. Uh, Alex Kashuta, Grit Cult, uh, her podcast, it's great, uh, highly recommend it. So, and, and Lev, if you could, um, what is her pod, it's called Subversive Podcast, so look up uh, look up Subversive Podcast, uh, Alex Kashuta, and Grit Cult. Here we go, it, Grit
0: Cult, what is our future? I'm putting it into the BTR chat right now, this is how fast I am. I'm, a, I'm almost as fast as Sonic the Hedgehog, that's how fast I am, oh, so wow. here we go. <laughs> grit cult what is our future check that out and and one for... day we
1: will have alex Cishouda on, but because she lives in romania it's we it's the scheduling stuff,
0: yeah but so. we'll, we'll we'll do it we will make it work i mean the european stream that's gonna start from 2 p.m oh by the so... way
1: one more thing before we go i have to shell one more All right. thing go uh, for it my good our good friend friend of the show my good friend joel davis recently mm. came out in combination with Imperium Press and also Imperium Press has expressed interest in coming on the show. Um go to his Twitter. It's it's linked there. Uh it's called Firstness.org. It's a journal that he started. Firstness. The first edition came out. It's with a bunch, it's only four articles, but it's good solid articles. Uh, shout out to Joel Davis. I'm currently reading through all of them uh firstness.com it's by imperium press as well so maybe lev if you could yeah there you go so that's my final shout out go and read it go and watch the grit call podcast go and watch my video yes and, uh yeah
0: and uh again poor Caroso. is that a is that a movie that you like are you into a lot of uh, miyazaki films
3: yeah why not i mean not like Unduly. I just thought it was funny as a name. Sometimes, like, generally my usernames are just things that, like, I, I just pick off the top of my head.
0: Well, follow her on Twitter right now. You only have nine followers. We got to change this. So yeah. follow Alexandra right now. You are, you're wonderful, Alexandra. Thank you so much for so being much. here. And of course, follow Gio on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I can't believe anybody here is not following Geo on Twitter. How dare you not and follow him? And my
1: YouTube. I have to get to a thousand subscribers, yes. please.
0: <laughs> yes, this is his YouTube right over here. So follow on YouTube. John Jafari. Yeah, that would be pretty good. I may have the number of his, uh, uh, a person who works with him. But uh, anyway, so, and also while we're at it, follow me on Twitter. Why not? I have a lot of interesting dreams that I have that I'm going to write down. I had an interesting dream last night. So follow me on Twitter right here. I'm going to post some more animations, artwork, things of that nature and uh, this is pretty much it guys thank you so much for watching i appreciate all of you i appreciate our guests and uh, owen cyclops today was amazing phenomenal and uh, looking forward to more tomorrow tomorrow is going to be free for all friday so be sure to go in there set a reminder five o'clock tomorrow be there be square anyway take care i love you bye bye subscribe god bless goodbye Bye bye